Minister, Deputy Minister, the Department at large. Chair, we have today the following members who have just joined in. We've got Honorable Chair Dujwa, Honorable Makubele, Honorable Zuma, Honorable Mdabe, Honorable Begram, Honorable Kado, Honorable Inana, Honorable Mkondo, and Honorable Denner so far, Chair. Um, from the support staff, we've got myself, Chair. We also have uh, Mr. Ngobo, Ms. Ndabeni, Mr. Mukwena, Mr. Maputi, and Ms. Mabindisa. Um, we only received a, an apology from the minister, Chair, who's uh, going to be a bit late. Start, he started at the cabinet. Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you very much, uh, uh, Mr. Sakas. Any from the DM uh, and 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 uh, DG, your team, Mr. Lamati. I think the DG uh, Honourable Chair will Good. present uh, who's here. Good Mr. morning, Good morning, thank Honourable you. Chairperson and uh, Honourable Members. Uh, and the colleagues from uh, the department and HESA. Uh, uh, Chair, we have um, obviously are led by Deputy Minister, because uh, the Minister will join late. We have uh, the DDG responsible for public employment services, Mr. Sam Morotoba. We have the DDG responsible for corporate services, Ms. Matebesi. Um, and we have uh, the COO of the department, Ms. Marsha. Broncost. Um, we have the Commissioner of UIF, Ping, and we have the Commissioner of CF, which is Compensation Fund, Mr. Vuyo Mafata. And we have um, our Communication uh, Acting Chief Director, uh, Petonia. You will see a, a, a person who's, who's uh, joined using Petonia. Uh, that's that's uh, communication from us. And we have um, um, uh, Ms. Mahakano in the office of the DM. We have chief of staff, um, the ministry, uh, Mr. Mutumela. And uh, who else is here? We have Matapelo in my office. Um, we have Ms. Tando, Mr. Tando Wababa. And I think those are just the people that we have, uh, we have Sabel, of course, the spokesperson in the minister's office, uh, Jefferson, and we have Mr. Tim Ngosim Kalipi, who's the acting DDG, uh, Labor Market Policy and Industrial Relations. We have Zandi Mwell in the office of the DM. Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you, DG. Uh, the office of the AG, can we... Um, good morning, Honorable Chair. Um, I hope I'm visible. My video seems to be creating problems. Um, you are not visible. It's only your 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 background and, and, and your name. Otherwise, the face we can't see the face. Not unless it's only me that has got that problem. Okay. No, I can see that. I'm going to try and deal with it again. I will need to log in again because I think we're speaking up from another 
um, device. And my apology for that. But without delay, delaying the the committee, um, Honourable Chair, uh, from our side, um, I'm joined by I'm, I'm Habuko Mapi, the Business Executive from the Auditor General. I'm joined by Ms. Michelle Magiman, um, the Deputy Business Executive from the AGSA as well. I also have Mr. Vosi Maseko, um, the Senior Manager responsible for the Compensation Fund. Um, that will be the team that is joining the, the committee this morning. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, ma'am. Uh, Mr. Sakaza, do we have any guests? And if we do, can they please introduce themselves? Yes, Chair, I see a lot of names that I, I can't recognize, so it, they must be guests. Can they please indicate to us who they are? Good morning, Chair. Which institution they are coming from, their names and their institutions? Good morning, Chair. My name is Antonio Meto. I am from PMG covering this meeting. Thank you. It's quite well, it's something that we'll have to I will have to check with the with the office that if, if guests are, who have logged in, who are refusing to tell us who they are and which institution they are coming from, what is it that we are to do? Because, and I'll, I'll keep on saying this, because if we were physical, if we were physical, people were going to tell us who they are and which institution they are coming from. I really find it a, a, a bit disturbing. Uh, because we are dealing with very important issues, people are going to say, circulate things that they will allege that were said, said in the meeting, and we are unable to make them to account because we don't know their names, we don't know which institution they are coming from. Good morning, uh, Chairperson. My name is Rona Bakker. I am the Senior Policy Advisor of the National Employers Association of South Africa, NIASA. I'm also joined by my colleague, Mr. Uh, Lutandu Nondaba. He's also from the National Employers Association of South Africa, NIASA. Thank you. Uh, good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. My name is Kabel Magika. Um, I'm joining the team from the Outer General together with my colleague, Andrea Kedai. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, Chair. Maybe let me just, um, I see mo most of my colleagues from the AGSA have just joined in now. Um, let me just try and introduce them. Um, Chilizi, I have a Chilizi. Um, she, he's, she's the Deputy Business Executive from the AGSA um, Information System Audit. I also have um, Mr. Haney Knox, who's also a Senior Manager in the AGSA from the Information System Auditors. Um, so those will be the additional team members from the AGSA that has joined now. And as they come onto the platform, I'll also make sure that I introduce them to you. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you very much, uh, uh, honorable members, uh, department led by the by the deputy minister and uh, and and the office of the AG. Uh, we will uh, now. Uh, 
Deputy Minister, if there is any some overview remarks so that we can then uh, start our our business. As members will will know that uh, today one of our items of the agenda is that uh, we request the, the, to, to be briefed by the Office of the Auditor General on two of uh, our entities, which are entities that all entities are important, but these are one of our priorities because of our, because of their uh, challenges, improvements, and, uh, and all what is entailed in, in, in them. And it is then as we, it was, this is also part of our oversight to check if, if, if they are, if they are doing the right things as prescribed by all the, the laws and regulations that governs them. So it's really going to be very important because they are providing a service delivery that is very critical to our people and, and, and a community at large and workers in particular, which is UIF and compensation fund. I will hand over to the DM to just a, an, an overview and then allow the Office of the Auditor General to take us through. DM, if you are still around. Thank you, Thank you so much, uh, Honorable. Uh, uh, Honourable Chairperson, uh, Honourable Members, uh, thank you so much. Um, I'm just for now going to um, um, uh, talk to the uh, Auditor General's uh, uh, outcomes as it relates to uh, uh, the audit outcomes that is current. Uh, other matters we'll deal with later in terms of um, the mandate of our department, I think, we'll deal with after uh, having presented uh, this report. Yeah. So I think uh, honourable members might want to see me. Uh, honourable chair, here I am. Uh, good morning, honourable members, uh, DG of our department. Uh, I'm going to be very short. If you allow me, honourable chairperson, I've just switched off. Um, uh, my video that yeah, there is uh, a, a, a better connectivity. Um, I'm not going to be long. I think, uh, uh, honorable members, honorable chair, I think uh, we are yet, uh, we have yet uh, received a disclaimer um, from the compensation fund. And I think um, that the uh, disclaimer journey and the key qualifications. Uh, of the fa uh, past five years, uh, um, I think if we have to go deeper into it, uh, in 2017, honorable members, the, uh, the, uh, the fund had 17 key qualifications, and these are listed in the report of the uh, Auditor General. And in 2018, um, there were 22 key, find, uh, key qualifications uh, meaning that we, in 2018, we regressed with five more additional qualifications from the prior year. And in 2019, uh, there were uh, 15 key qualifications, which means that we, we improved by reducing seven qualifications from the uh, prior year of 2018. 
And in 2020, uh, they were dating key qualifications. I think uh, there was an improvement uh, by uh, uh, the reduction of two qualifications from the prior year of 2019. And in 2021, uh, there were 16 qualifications. I think uh, here we also regressed uh, with three more uh, findings from uh, the prior year of 2020. So notwithstanding um, our disclaimer journey and key qualifications on our members, uh, we were not uh, worse off um, in 2017 than we were in 2018. And this means that in the past uh, year, uh, in the past five year period of uh, 2018 was our worst disclaimer of audit with a total of 22 key findings. And, and I think uh, if we have to put it, uh, uh, to put this into perspective, uh, this happened prior to our time uh, as the sixth administration, but I must also hasten to, to admit that uh, uh, we are a successor in law and therefore uh, we cannot say we were not there. Therefore we have to take uh, full responsibility of what has happened when we were never there, when we were not there. But what we have done uh, 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 to turn the situation around uh, the compensation fund, uh, we have reduced seven key qualifications in 2019 compared to 2018 uh, prior year. And uh, we further uh, improved by reducing two more qualifications from the prior year of 2019. And we dropped the ball, honorable members, we must admit, uh, by regressing with three more findings uh, from the prior year of 2020. So, honorable members, honorable chair, uh, much as this has been a journey of disclaimers and key qualifications, which is unacceptable, it does not mean that uh, there were no improvements at all. And there, there are instances where we really uh, dropped the ball. We are admitting to that fact. Uh, the challenge uh, with improvements in a disclaimer is that at the end of, of it all, we are still disclaimed and all our improvements are overshadowed by the outcome itself. Even if there is an improvement here and there, uh, we can't even begin to, to, to talk about it because of the overall outcome. So one day when this outcome is finally improved, honorable members, we will be able to refer to all the small improvements, which are actually our building blocks uh, for a future, a better future. Uh, audit outcome, but we are here now and we have to face the current disclaimers and deal with every finding and all recurring findings because I think what is um, uh, coming out uh, uh, of the report of the Auditor General is this uh, repeat findings as presented to us by the report itself. And a lot of work has been done but we accept that there is still a lot more to be done to turn the situation around. We just have to appreciate the small improvements and progress. And, and I, I, I hope that we will get there sooner than we anticipate. Honorable Chair, thank you so much for your time. And we will then allow either the DG or the whoever from our department was, was supposed to present, but I think that I'm handing over back to you, Chair, to navigate us through. Thank you so much for this opportunity.
Uh, thank you very much, JM. Uh, it's, it's the office of the AG that is going to present today. Over to you, uh, Office of the Auditor General. Um, thank you so much, Honorable Um I'm just going to try, just bear with me. I think um, I'm, I'm using two devices, but it keeps picking up at different pace. Um, but from the office of the AG, um, I think it's starting with the highlight. Um, the Honorable Deputy Minister already touched on the journey. There's a slide that we wanted to just demonstrate to the committee. The journey with the compensation fund um, for the past five years. We also took a bit of time just to highlight the areas um, that bother us a lot from the audit perspective. And you would see that we were touching mainly on the key business areas of the compensation fund. But in summary, Chair, for the financial year um, 2021, um, in line with the comments from the Honorable Deputy Minister, we had issued a disclaimer of opinion for the compensation fund, uh, primarily because, again, we're still concerned about the supporting documents that needed to be provided, that needed to support the figures and the amounts and all the activities that are tailored in the annual, annual financial statements, including the annual performance report of the compensation fund. So I guess from the AGSA, um, the key message that we are pushing through to the entity at this point in time is that may we ensure that we have processes in place that facilitate reliable reporting, that make sure that the reporting of the fund is transparent, is reliable, and again, any other um, assurance provider is able to then um, agree with the figures that may be reported. One of the highlights um, that we are putting through is that there's a lot of work that the fund needs to do, obviously, to try and put the measures that will pull, pull the fund forward. But most importantly, to utilize the audit committee and internal audit effectively. Because as it stands, we still think that there's still a big room for the fund to benefit from internal audit in particular and audit committee in particular, mainly because those committees also experience the limitations that we are experiencing, which means that then the fund missed an opportunity to actually benefit from the recommendation that may come ahead of time before the AGSA even gets into the space. You'll see that again, um, we'll touch on the claims, our biggest pain with the claims. We'll also touch on the investments that are being facilitated by the PIC. Um, and we'll, we'll again talk to many other provisions and the liabilities that ought to be reflected and supported accordingly. And again, you'll see the issue of the filing system um, becoming the crux of the conversation for, for, for this morning. So from the ATSA chair, uh, we do appreciate an opportunity that you're allowing us to engage. I would like to allow Michelle to take us through the presentation and then we'll appreciate the comments and the clarity seeking questions that may come through um, as the discussion progresses. With your permission, chair, may I please allow Michelle to take us through the presentation? Thank you. Thank you, uh, Michelle. Over to you. Thank you so much, Honorable Chair, and good morning to the Honorable Members, uh, as well as the DG, the Deputy Minister in the Department. Um, I'm going to take you through the presentation. I'm going to switch off my, my video as well. Um, I'll switch it back on um, as we have the discussions. Um, Chair, um, if you look at this, uh, present, uh, this slide here, it talks about our constitutional mandate that we do strengthen to, to, we exist to strengthen our country's democracy by enabling oversight, accountability and governance in the public sector through auditing um, and thereby building public confidence. 
Um, and that is the key why uh, it is important and we appreciate the, the invitation today uh, to provide uh, members with the, the insights um, and the outcomes so that you are also able to, uh, to, to strengthen your oversight processes. The next presentation, we just gave an overview of the, comp uh, the compensation fund in, in terms of their key operations, which is your employer contributions, uh, which is where your, your employers need to uh, register with the fund as well as uh, um, and, and, and then pay for, for their, in terms of their return on earnings, um, as well as the medical benefits. Uh, this is the payments that are made for any claims. Um, as well as the pensions, benefits, and rehabilitation. This is also uh, claims that are being paid for pensions, um, as well as the investments. Uh, this is the contributions that the fund makes to um, or the, the fund invests uh, via the PIC. Um, if you look at the audit outcomes uh, in terms of the types of experience, uh, uh, opinions that we express, we do express an unqualified with no findings, which means that uh, there are no findings in the financial statements or performance reports of, uh, or the compliance with legislation. This is the, the area that we would uh, we strive um, uh, to, to get to. The financial, uh, financially unqualified opinion with findings, uh, meaning that there were errors in the financial statements. However, they were able to, the entities were able to, to uh, fix those, those errors. And there's also findings in the performance or there's findings in compliance with uh, legislation. A qualified opinion means that there are certain areas in the financial statements that have errors uh, that could not uh, be, uh, be fixed. And then in terms of the adverse opinion, this means that there are uh, quite a number of errors in the financial statements. Uh, and these errors mean that whatever uh, there's a disagreement, so between what is provided to the auditors and what is actually sitting in the financial statements, there are differences. In terms of the disclaimer opinion, it means that in most instances throughout the financial statements, uh, evidence could not be provided to support the, 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 the amounts that are sitting in the financial statements. So these are the different types of audit opinions that the AGSA expresses. So in terms of the compensation fund, uh, you will see that throughout uh, the years, we had have a disclaimer opinion, uh, which has been unchanged. Uh, like the Deputy Minister had already indicated, this is the journey that we, um, we also unpacked uh, for the fund to show them um, from the 2017 year to the 2021, uh, the movements in terms of what are the, the, the areas where they could um, remove from the financial, from the qualifications, which are the ones that were still remaining. Um, and as you see that it is key that to note that uh, the, the revenue is still there. So your contributions from employers is still there. Your benefits has been uh, consistent uh, throughout the years, um, as well as some of the fruitless and wasteful um, expenditure has been there, um, as well as the investments uh, has, has been consistent. And th that speaks to some of the key, the key business areas that um, the, fund, um, the, fa the fund transacts in. Uh, so this is what we wanted to also share with the, with the fund. In terms of the key qualification areas, um, the revenue from exchange, uh, this is where the fund uh, receives um, uh, funding from uh, receives uh, contributions from the from the employers in terms of benefits, the payments. This is um, adequate record keeping needs to be there for the for the benefits uh, that they pay through irregular expenditure uh, and fruitless and wasteful expenditure. 
uh, as well as payables, which speaks primarily to the benefits. So as the benefits are being expensed, um, there's also the ones that you have not paid yet, uh, which will sit in payables, as well as the provision for the outstanding claims. So where you need to assess whether you need to uh, to estimate how much you're going to pay for in the future, uh, we are saying that that estimation could not be reliable. Uh, I will unpack this a little bit more in the next uh, presentation, uh, which I'm going to start with the revenue from non-exchange transactions and your statutory receivables. So they go hand in hand, the revenue and the receivables element. So this primarily that speaks to the earnings that are uh, the earnings that you need to uh, receive from the employer. So the employer, the employers need to come and register with the fund. Uh, then the employers need to uh, submit a return on earnings to show that this is how much they've, they've made, uh, this is how many people they have. So all that, that supporting documentation needs to be there, um, and then they are charged uh, by the fund. So what we We have lost okay. you. Look at the italics at the, at the top. There's the two paragraphs at the top. What do you mean? Have you lost me, Chair? No, you are back now. I think there's, I... Your, your network is not stable a bit. Is it? Okay. Uh, let me try, and then you'll just let me know as, I, as I'm continuing, and then we'll see uh, what we can do if it, if it continues. Um, in terms of the employer contributions, we said that the fund was unable to provide the underlying supporting documentation to prove that the employers that submitted return on earnings were assessed at the correct rate and class, as the employer's information submis submitted was insufficient to enable verification of the calculation performed by the fund. Uh, so it is important that the, the, the return on earnings uh, the, the, the information is kept and the information contains all the relevant uh, information, for example, for us to determine in which category this employer uh, sits in for us to then recalculate using the rates that are um, standard for that type of business, either it's manufacturing or uh, whatever kind of business it is. So we are able to then utilize the policies and the processes that the fund has to say that this employer sits in this category and this is how much needs to be charged. But for us, it's important that all that information is available for us to be able to recalculate um, and, and make sure that what the fund is saying, uh, the rate is supposed to be is exactly what, what the, the, the employer has, um, has provided the information for. We also um, noted that the fund did not implement adequate and appropriate controls to address the completeness and accuracy of employer contributions. As some of these employers' uh, rate of returns were not assessed, uh, these deficiencies included the assessment, the inadequate assessment of the accuracy of information submitted by the employers, inadequate processes to ensure that all employers are registered and assessed at the correct rate and class, and inadequate enforcement of the actual employers not complying with the quota. So it is key that uh, all employers, so we need to make sure that all employers that are sitting um, as registered with the fund, as well as make sure that the employers, especially the ones that are not registered with the fund, are identified and are made sure that they do submit their return on earnings so that um, um, the fund can then um, um, invoice them and charge them. We also had a finding in terms of uh, the fund not correctly accounting for revenue earned in the prior year. Um, as that revenue was incorrectly included in the current year. So you'll find that there are instances where um, 
some of the employers will, pro will provide the information um, in the current year, but it actually relates to assessments that must be done in the prior year. Uh, and in this instance, the, 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 the standards then require that you need to then go back to the a prior year and update your financial statement so that it reflects uh, the amount that you are receiving in the in the in the financial state in the appropriate year that the the the, the revenue had incurred. So that is um, in summary uh, this uh, qualification, and it it just mainly talks to how we are uh, um, assess how we are uh, making sure that all employers are registered on the fund, and all employers submit their return on earnings. And all employers that have submitted their returning earnings, we are able to, to categorize them accurately, and then we make sure that we charge them. So this is, um, in summary, what this, uh, this area is about. I want to go to the next one in terms of benefits. The next slide on, uh, on, on, on page eight. Uh, this, one just, this one primarily talks to the, the benefits. Uh, and here we're saying that the benefits listing. So uh, for us to be able to, to even start uh, looking, at, uh, looking at supporting documentation, we need to even have a listing that says, these are all the benefits that we've paid in the current year. And that needs to agree with the financial statements. And in this instance for the fund, we could not get a listing that, uh, that agrees. We also have another area where we say, the future benefits that uh, the, the, the fund or the future claims that uh, the fund will, will estimate to say this is what we think is going to be charged in the future, we are saying that we could not, uh, the accuracy of the information, the data used to calculate that provision could not be relied on. There was a, a, quite a lot of errors or sub information that was not submitted to, to be able to say that this calculation is reliable and, and can be utilized. In terms of payables, um, uh, in this instance, uh, the fund could not give us the supporting documentation uh, for debtors that have uh, credit balances. Uh, so where your data has overpaid you, there is a, um, they, 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 there's then that, uh, if the debtors overpaid you, it means that you owe the data. Uh, but for us to be able to say that, yes, uh, it is true, we need to then recalculate that and get the supporting documentation to say, how, what did you pay, pay them? What did they pay you? Um, and how much is, is remaining so that we're able to say that uh, that amount is, is reliable. In terms of the investments uh, in associates and investments um, in financial assets and associates, uh, here we, we, we're looking at uh, the investments uh, that the fund does make. Uh, there was quite a few um, deficiencies in the information that, uh, that was submitted uh, for us. Um, and we, we, here we're saying to, to, to the fund that uh, when we invest, uh, for us to have, for you to disclose an amount in the financial statements, uh, you would need to look at um, the, 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 the cash flows of that um, institution. You would need to look at the financial statements of that institution. But what's important is that whatever the institution you've invested in, the information that they provide you, you need to make sure that it is complete and accurate. Um, and it, 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 um, uh, the amounts there, uh, you can almost say that, yes, you can rely on them to include them in the financial statements. And here we're saying that that data that is coming from the uh, from those investee the investment entities 
um, it, it's not reliable. So you'll have management. In some instances, we did not uh, have information. In some instances, the information that is coming, the fund does not have processes to make sure that that information is uh, is accurate and, and, and complete for, for, for them to even rely on and include in the financial statements. In terms of the prior period, uh, so if you look at the disclaimer journey, there's quite a, a number of prior period uh, errors uh, that would need to be addressed uh, uh, from the prior. So once the, when the fund is, is fixing the prior year um, amounts, uh, responding to some of the disclaimer items, um, some, of the, some of the areas were not um, attended to, uh, so they were not um, adequately addressed to make sure that your prior numbers are, uh, are complete and accurate. In terms of contingencies, here we're talking about uh, possible uh, legal claims, possible securities uh, that the fund uh, would have had. So if they, um, here you, you are required to say, um, this is the, the summons that we've had, the legal claims that we have, and this is how much is, is, is disclosed. Um, in some instances, we could not get the supporting documentation for the, for the summonses that are there, um, that are disclosed. In some instances, some of the summonses are already sitting as a liability. Uh, so the court would have already ruled to say you need to go and pay. Therefore, it needs to move from a contingency then into the financial statements as a, uh, as a liability uh, because now the, the, the case is final and you need to now uh, pay. Uh, so it moves into from a contingency. So it's not something that's possible. Now it's something that actually needs to, to happen. So it needs to then sit as a liability. Um, and in some instances, in, uh, in, in some cases, uh, these were still included as contingencies. In terms of irregular and fruitless and wasteful expenditure, uh, there's uh, quite a number of uh, uh, irregular expenditure and fruitless and wasteful cases uh, coming from prior years uh, where there's still are not su uh, sufficient uh, supporting documentation uh, for us to conclude that the, the, the list is complete. Um, over and above that, there were, there were also instances where we've identified uh, some cases of irregular expenditure uh, that were not included in the, in the register. In terms of the cash flow statement, uh, we had uh, differences um, in terms of calculations where we could not ascertain uh, what, what makes up those differences uh, in re-performing the, the, the cash flow statement. In terms of risk management, uh, um, in some of the areas uh, that I have described in the financial statements, we also need to say what are the risks in terms of your financial uh, financial instruments, which means your debtors, your liabilities, what are the sensitivities, um, and some of these classes were not ac uh, um, adequately um, allocated as per the, the standards for, for the fund to say in my receivables, this is my risk, this is what's happening in the environment, and this is what I need to be, um, what I need to, to be alert to in terms of uh, the, the risks in, in, in those areas. In terms of the principal agent relationship, here we're saying that the, the relationship with the, your investment corporation uh, was not disclosed in terms of the transactions um, and how it needs to be disclosed in terms of the standards. Uh, related parties, we also noted that there are transactions with the related parties, um, uh, especially with the department, where those related party transactions must be agreed with the department and those transactions must be disclosed in the financial statements and there needs to be support uh, for those transactions. 
For performance information, um, we looked at uh, program three, uh, particularly uh, for, the, for, for the compensation fund, uh, which comprises of the medical invoices, the high complex cases, and the pre-authorization. Um, and if you look at the, the, the measures here, it, it mainly talks about uh, the days that it takes to finalize uh, these cases. Uh, and it is important then that when, we, when the fund collects information uh, to be able to report on these targets, uh, that you are able to exactly see when was the medical invoice received and when was the medical invoice then paid for you to be able to then say, is the, is, is the for example, medical invoices, are they finalized within the 60 working days? The pre-authorization, is it finalized within the 10 working days, as well as the high complex and medical cases, is that within the seven working days? And to do that, there needs to be a, a, a diligence because it's, it's, it's a lot of information coming from uh, medical institutions, coming from people claiming. So it's very important that, uh, that when you are receiving the date, that there's a process in place for collecting this information so that when you, are, when you come in as auditors and you say, can I recalculate your 60 days? Can I recalculate your 10 days or your seven days? You are able then to recalculate that and, and report it back to, and, and trace it back to the what is reported in the performance report. And in all three of these areas, we found that we could not, in some instances, we could not get the information. Um, but if, if we did get the information that we could not recalculate uh, the number of, of days. Um, so that is primarily the 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 the, the main um, root cause for the performance um, information in terms of medical invoices, um, and you'll see that the root cause that we've included there is that there's no proper record keeping within the fund, and not all role players are ensuring that they keep supporting documentation in order to support the target achieved, um, and the and the key role players are not reviewing and the reported achievement adequately to ensure that schedules are supported by evidence. So here we're saying the two things, keep the records and then make sure that you are reviewing uh, so that the person that is saying that it is within the seven days, the person that is reviewing can go and recheck that and make sure that it is, it is correct. Um, and that's what we're saying, that that alignment is important between the, 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 the capturers or the, the people that are doing the work as well as especially the reviewers, which is more important to make sure that the review is happening and they're detecting any errors that are happening. Um, and then the, the, the performance management is also happening where um, somebody is not doing their job uh, as accurately as they're supposed to do it. In terms of compliance with laws and regulations, with, which is primarily coming from the the areas in terms of uh, fi uh, financial statements and performance information, uh, we, we still have the, the, the financial statements that contained material errors, which is, uh, which is not aligned to the PFMA requirements that financial statement must be complete and accurate. We also had the expenditure management, which speaks to the irregular expenditure and fruitless and wasteful expenditure that was identified. Um, I'll I'll, with the next slide, I will be breaking down the irregular expenditure, which I am saying that it is mainly because of the non-compliance with national treasury uh, procurement processes. Uh, but I'll give you the detail in the next slide, as well as fruitless and wasteful expenditure, 
which talks about the interest that that were, that was paid, as well as some of the the share of costs and, and legal costs. And then uh, the next one is on resources. Here we're talking about uh, that um, some of the the late payments on medical invoices interest was not um, was not charged on those. Uh, we're saying that the fund must must make sure that. For, for the employers that are not um, that are not paying, you must charge them interest, and you must also go and make sure that you collect the money that is due. Um, and then consequence management. I'll also break it down a little bit uh, in the next slides, where we're saying that disciplinary steps were not uh, taken against individuals that incurred the fruitless and wasteful and irregular expenditure. In terms of the irregular expenditure, and this is the breakdown, uh, the fund did income about 8 million of irregular expenditure. 5 million of this relates to irregular expenditure that was in um, that was actually incurred in the pre previous years, which was identified in the current year. And this was the, the cancellation of a, of a, a delivery of air conditions, uh, which we, we could not uh, see why it was canceled and in terms of which frame um, and, the, and the reasons as the contract was already awarded. And then also there was a contract that exceeded the payments value of amounting to about 3 million. Um, but we are saying that keeping in mind that there's quite a lot of irregular expenditure coming from the prior years that we could not get support for. And there was also completeness uh, issues on the irregular expenditure. The amount of 8 million cannot necessarily say that uh, it is complete and accurate. In terms of fruitless and wasteful expenditure, the fund is in, has incurred about 103 million. And this relates to the fund uh, not paying within the stipulated timeframes. Um, uh, and some of the medical, uh, medical service providers are taking the fund uh, to court. They are requesting um, their, their, their monies and they're charging interest because of the, the delay of not paying them. There was also an intercepted payment um, where payments were made to uh, incorrect uh, uh, beneficiary. And these ones, I will also come to it because it is part of the material irregularity that we have raised uh, with, the, with, the, with the fund. In terms of consequence management, uh, so the fund, uh, we, we are saying that, that there is a process in place for the fund to investigate and to follow up on irregular expenditure and fruitless and wasteful expenditure. However, we're not seeing that the end process. So we're not seeing that, yes, we can see that there is uh, investigations happening, but it is not getting to a point where it needs to get to, to where consequence management is taken or funds are being recovered from, um, um, from whoever the, the, the transgressor is. So we did recommend uh, to, to the accounting authority uh, that they must make sure that uh, these are these investigations are completed, um, and then where there's weaken weaknesses in the process, make sure that um, these weaknesses are addressed um, in order for these investigations to be finalized. Also, what is key is proper record keeping. Uh, so some of the investigations, um, there's quite a lot of, 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 of things that happen within it. There's emails going through, there's information being submitted. It is important that all of those things are, are kept in a file, um, to be able to support the progress of this investigation um, and for us to also ascertain where the pro pro progress process this investigation is sitting. Um, and we are also saying that the accounting authority must ensure that pro uh, appropriate action is taken. 
um, that these investigations come to finalization and they are, they are then um, attended to in, in line with the policies of the fund. Um, and also when the disciplinary action is, is, is taken, that there is also support for that disciplinary that is taken. In terms of supply chain regulations, uh, here we are highlighting the extension, which also led to the irregular expenditure of contracts without the appropriate approval, which is mainly the national treasury approval. If you exceed a, with the, if you exceed a contract within the, the limits that national treasury has given you, it then needs to go to national treasury for approval. And we did not see that process following through. In terms of the amendment to the to our act, um, compensation fund was um, selected to implement the um, the as as a phase in for the implementation of material irregularity. Um, and just for the the members, um, just to refresh the members in terms of what a material irregularity is. So this is where we have a non-compliance uh, with or contravention of legislation. Where there's or, or where there's fraud, theft, or breach of fiduciary duties, it must be identified during the audit process under the PAA Act, and it is likely, or it has resulted, or is likely to result in a material financial loss, the misuse or loss of material public resources, or substantial harm to the public or institution or the general public. So this is the definition of material irregularity. Um, in terms of how we assess the findings that, 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 that we have to determine if they, they, they meet the definition. And then we issue a, a notice to the accounting authority to say uh, this is the material irregularity that was raised. So for the, for the compensation fund, we had two material irregularities that we communicated to, uh, to, 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 to the, the accounting authority. Um, and this talks to the, the interest on legal fees and share of costs. Uh, where the fund did not pay um, the um, uh, one of the entities within the 75 days as prescribed by by the court, um, and if you look at the the key um, control that was that broke down in this instance, it talks to the the lack of the, the the recon to make sure that when you have medical invoices, you do your reconciliations against claims against payments that are already made so that the fund is able to say, okay, this is actually how much I need to, to pay. And also making sure that that medical invoice is supported by, um, by support to say, yes, uh, this is actually uh, the, the expenses that were paid uh, for, for a specific individual. Um, and and that, that, takes, that, that was delayed. Uh, the court had then said to the fund, you, you must pay, but that was also delayed. And we're saying that had the processes been done, uh, this interest would not have been have been charged. In terms of dupl duplicate payments, we also identified that uh, the fund had uh, paid one of the medical service providers, but they had overpaid uh, one of the medical service providers. Um, in this instance, the fund um, has um, collected some of the, the money, but there is still a balance that is outstanding uh, that also needs to be um, recovered from this, uh, from this medical service provider. Provider. Uh, so, the, in terms of the notification, the accounting authority did um, respond to us to say that the investigation will be finalized by the 31 March 2022. Uh, so, we will then follow up on this um, um, in um, once the once we get confirmation that it has been finalized um, in April or during even the the next cycle 
of the audit. Uh, so in terms of the, 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 the next part of the presentation, uh, so I've given the background in terms of what are the findings uh, in terms of uh, financial statements performance, um, as well as uh, compliance with legislation. Uh, but as well, what is key is that what are the root causes uh, that we, we, the fund would need to, need to deal with to make sure that they, they overcome. So I've included um, the, the key uh, internal control deficiencies uh, that the fund needs to pay attention to uh, to make sure that um, to make sure that uh, some of these findings don't reoccur. Uh, so we are saying that uh, the leadership uh, did not ensure that there's preventative and detective controls in place to ensure reliable reporting and compliance with legislation. Um, and then preventative controls to ensure that there's efficient and effective processes in place to prepare financial statements. Um, so this just talks about the, the, the control environment that must be implemented. Uh, so from the different divisions within the, the compensation fund to say, everybody must review, um, everybody must follow a certain process, which must be effective. Uh, so we're saying that the controls must be effective and they must prevent um, any errors that occur. Uh, we are saying that the action plans uh, were not adequately implemented and monitored to ensure that we don't have recurring findings. Um, and in some instances, um, the action plan is not addressing the, the root cause. And proper record keeping is one of the key ones to say that in every area of business that is being uh, performed, there must be proper record keeping. So you must have the appropriate document to support what is being uh, in the financial statements. Um, and that must be kept um, somewhere either in, in, uh, in a, uh, somewhere digitally or in, in, in filing areas where there's still manual processes being followed. Regular, accurate and complete financial performance report. Uh, we're saying that the fund did not prepare regular and accurate and complete financial, sub and, uh, financial a statement supported by reliable and credible information. So there was quite a lot of instances where we could not get um, information. And daily and monthly processing and reconciling of transactions, um, it is important that this is embedded in the daily activities. Um, so when, especially when we're working with bulk information, uh, manual information that is coming through, it is very important that these reconciliations and these process, this processing is done daily. Um, as well as the reviewing of these processes and whatever's being recorded is done daily and monthly. Um, because if you leave it for too long with the amount of information that is coming through, it will not be possible um, for the fund to, to, to go through some of these areas. In terms of compliance, monitoring compliance with, with legislation, uh, once um, uh, you are looking at, for example, your supply chain processes, making sure that you are monitoring the expenditure that is being uh, that is being uh, incurred, um, and where you are exceeding, uh, you need to get the, the relevant uh, authorities to approve, like your national treasury. Um, and then, in terms of internal audit and audit committee, we are saying that um, some of the inf the information that is submitted to the audit committee is either late or it's not. Um, uh, or it's not submitted at all. Um, and for the funds specifically, there was no audit committee for about uh, four months of the financial year, uh, which was uh, one of the first quarter of the financial year where there was no audit committee. 
In terms of uh, the IT environment, uh, so some of the findings that we've raised uh, for the fund uh, to, to look at, to say some of these areas, uh, please make sure you they, they are attended to uh, because they can cause um, a few um, um, issues in terms of processing information or financial statements. Um, in terms of IT governance, we say that the uh, the, the business case is still outstanding in terms of the objectives of uh, sub submitting information. Uh, the disaster recovery that usually happens, um, that usually happens, uh, the disaster recovery plan that usually is, is happening at the department and needs to be uh, finalized um, because it does impact the department um, as well as the entities uh, that are under it, which is compensation fund in, in this instance. Security management, we did uh, highlight some of the, um, the, the functionalities of users and making sure that there's significant um, network security um, in, within the fund. User access management, making sure that um, all um, there is a segregation of users um, and, and conflicts on, on, the, on the new system and that there is that user with access to sensitivity of transactions. And then also program change management. So where there's changes that happen within the, the, the system, um, that there's uh, appropriate um, access there and the, the uh, users are assigned with the with appropriate functions in terms of who what their functions are on the system. So we gave them some of the, the, the findings in terms of what they need to look at, uh, specifically with the new system that they, they are implementing. Um, and we also gave the recommendations um, in, at the bottom there that the, the disaster recovery plan and the business continuity plan must be developed and finalized. And the system administration management should not grant users and consultants um, access uh, that are not part of the authorization function. And then management should implement measures to ensure that access to these critical functionalities is restricted. And management should investigate the list of users whose activities are not segregated and implement appropriate measures to resolve this dis discrepancy. And management should monitor and track access to the user's accounts to ensure access is appropriately restricted and controlled. In terms of the recommendations, we did provide recommendations to, to the fund, um, including the, the minister as well, that there is an, uh, still an urgent need to review the control environment of the fund, including the role of management and subsequently strengthen the preventative and monitoring controls to identify deficiencies early and react appropriately. Uh, monitoring the adherence to controls must be enforced proactively and where there is transgression, trans transgressions, actions must be taken and the root causes identified must be responded to timelessly. And then implement regular and adequate review controls over financial performance reporting to ensure that errors are timelessly detected and corrected and uh, consequence management must be implemented and monitored on transgression. So I think the first, uh, the first recommendation is, is the key one we, we did communicate last year. So the, the review of the control environment is, is definitely key in terms of how the, 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 the divisions and the, provincial, the provinces work within the fund, as well as how information is then collated to head office. And then also, what is the requirement between financial statements as well as business uh, so that, that uh, those gaps are also closed, um, so that financial statements are also prepared according to the, 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 the framework. For the committee, uh, we are suggesting, uh, honorable chair and members, that 
uh, if you could obtain the reports detailing the progress made by the compensation fund on the review of the control environment. Also, if the committee can also uh, obtain the investigation reports from the fund to confirm that investigations are adequately conducted, the root causes are addressed, and the employees that cause the irregularities are identified and action is taken against them. And where there was a financial loss, the financial loss must be recovered and also monitor that consequence management is implemented to transgressors. Um, Honorable Chair, um, that is all from my side um, in terms of the outcomes for the, the fund and the recommendations. I will then hand over to Kabo, um, the BE, uh, maybe if I, just to wrap up the, the presentation, Kabo. No, that's fine, Michelle. I think we, we covered it all. Um, Chair, may we then just appreciate the inputs from the committee and any questions um, if, if, if they come through. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Business Executive. Uh, honorable members, there is the presentation. Any questions? I have it, Michael Bagram. Number one, and I see Honorable Dana, Honorable Kondo, Honorable Dabe. Okay, it's Honorable Bikram, Honorable Kondo, Honorable uh, Dana, then Honorable Dabe. Thank you, Madam Chair. May I go ahead? Yes, say you may. Thank you to the Auditor General staff. Um, they've done a fantastic job, and I know that it's hard work. Uh, I must tell you up front, I know nothing about accounting, so I apologize if my questions sound a bit odd. But the reality is that you've got an expanded mandate. That expanded mandate has now been in place for over a year, I think almost two years. Well, what now? We've seen this for, I think there's been a failure for 10 years. And what are you going to do about it? Uh, it's in, the ball is in your court. The parliament gave you the power. And I want to know what, what the attorney general um, is going to do about it. The auditor general, sorry. The next thing is, uh, there seems to be so many disclaimers, and especially with medical invoices. The minister keeps telling us that there is fraud and some um, claimants are defrauding the fund and, uh, all this sort of thing where well, we don't see much prosecution, but maybe it emanates from uh, the fund itself not being able to actually run itself properly. And maybe you can comment on that. The, the next thing is, if, if in fact we're seeing all these disclaimers and we're having the same stuff repeated year after year, um, that probably explains the public or keep complaining about the productivity, the the turnaround time, the payment of invoices. They keep complaining about all that. Maybe it stems from the inability to run their own office. Um, and maybe you could comment on that. You commented also on consequence management and the lack of disciplinary hearings. Um, probably the same people are the, the same people are causing the same problems. And maybe we should actually have this is the Department of Employment and Labor. They should know by now how to run disciplinary hearings, so one hopes that they can. Uh, then finally, our courts, so the High Court has, on a few occasions now, actually made officials, government officials, pay personally for legal costs. 
Um, maybe we should explore that as well. So thank you very much for that report. It's greatly appreciated. Thank you, Madam Chair. Honorable Mukwanda. Uh, thanks, Chair. Good morning to you, Chair, honorable members, the Deputy Minister, the DG and his team, our guests. Um, Chair, uh, I welcome the presentation. Chair, under normal circumstances, moving from disclaimer to qualified, from qualified to unqualified, from unqualified to clean audit, under normal circumstances, it takes three years, three to four years. But um, listening to the presentation, there is no will at all in the compensation fund. Chair, we will never get out of this situation. There is no will at all. That's my analysis, Chair. And you always talk, Chair, about our legacy and integrity as this committee. What will people say about us when we are not here as members of this committee? What are the changes that we are bringing to this department and its entities? Chair, the compensation fund is disservicing us. Our name will be in very, very bad books of history. So, Chair, um, that is why I am saying, according to my analysis, that not for, for the Auditor General not to be appraised with um, the, the record keeping, to me, it is done intentionally because there are things that have to be hidden from them. Um, I, 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 I found out in the, during the presentation, I concluded that the internal audit and the audit committee, um, I can say, Chair, they are sidelined. And the reason why they are sidelined, I don't understand. And the evidence of wasteful and irregular expenditure is, is held intentionally. And the issue of disciplinary actions not taken, Chair, this is just a stagnant train. It is not moving. Mina Chair, my, 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 my suggestion will be that I think we need to change this engine. Before the, the, the presentation of slide 15, I was about to say, maybe we must have a forensic audit. But Chair, slide 15 told me that there is no forensic audit that is needed. The only thing that we need here is to change this, this engine. This engine is not moving. It will never help us. And people, those who, who have to go to jail must go to jail for whatever they have stolen from this fund. Thank you, Chair. Chair, can I go ahead? Yes, Honourable Dana, sorry for that. Thank you, Chair. Um, thank you for the presentation, though it it reads like a horror story. Um, Chair, I have a question with regards to employer contributions. 
And um, we've, we've had confirmation from inspection and enforcement services of the department that they have a thousand inspectors looking after about two million employers. The Compensation Fund's annual report in for 2020-2021 reported return on earnings assessments received were 220,000. So that's about 10% of the reported 2 million employers in the market. So keeping that in mind, the Auditor General believes that there have been a 48% completion rate of return on earnings for 2021. That would be then if it's 220,000, then there would be, there's about 459,000 active employers for 2019. Yet the compensation fund reported to us, to this committee, that there was a 99% achieval rate on this item. As they, they calculated the 220,000 on 223,000 employers that were registered. So what I would like to know is, are the 223,000 registered employers on the books, of which 220,000 were completed? Or are there in excess of 450,000 employers on the books? And what about the rest of the 2 million employers in the market? Where are the rest of them? I know everyone doesn't have to register with the compensation fund, but there can't only be 200,000, 10% or 450,000. So what I would like to get to is the quality of data presented by the compensation fund to this committee so we can do our oversight. Because if they don't present quality data to the Auditor General, who says that we get quality data so we can do our proper oversight? I'm very worried about that, Chair, because there are huge discrepancies in what we are receiving that we are supposed to do oversight on. And I would like to add to Honorable Nkonto what she just said. I would like to know, because I attended the SCOPA meeting last week, I don't know how many of the other members of the committee attended, but Chair, I saw that you also attended the meeting. And I would like to know, compared to that meeting, where is the outrage in our committee about what is presented to us and about the quality of oversight that we are able to do? Because I'm not sure if we're getting the correct data here, and I'm very worried about that. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Dana, Honorable Mdabe. Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson, and uh, good morning to the Honorable Members, the Deputy Minister, the DG, and uh, all the management, uh, the Office of the Auditor General. Uh, good morning, and thanks for the opportunity, Chair. Um, the report, Chair, we are welcoming it. I just want to get clarity on one or two things from the Auditor General. Um, last week or week before, we were presented with the progress report in terms of the audit plan um, implementation. I would like to know whether the, the Office of the Auditor General was part of the developing identification and identify the challenges that would then inform the audit action plan. If they were, had they agreed on the progress or the timelines in terms of its implementation and the progression thereof 
Uh, secondly, Chair, it's uh, the issue of uh, whether Auditor General's Office, after having disclaimed um, the compensation fund for five years, have they then looked at um, skills audit in the compensation fund, both at senior management level, middle management, uh, and middle management level? I'm raising these questions, Chair, of clarity in the context that when we were presented, which was one of our recommendations as well uh, in the portfolio committee when we're deliberating on the either 1920 or, uh, uh, financial uh, audit outcomes, that in the development of the action plan, they should therefore then involve the Auditor General's office. Now, the outcomes here on the 2021 uh, audit outcomes um, does have some deficiencies that one would say um, they lack um, periodic uh, interventions prior to the development of the annual financial statements. But I might be corrected uh, uh, because this analysis is based on what was then presented to us. If my memory serves me well, Chair, was that um, the audit action plan, its implementation is achieved over 50%. I can't recall of the exact uh, percentage that we were given, but it was over above uh, 70%. Now, if that statement was correct, therefore the audit outcome would not be an adverse one in the manner that uh, is being presented to us or it has been the outcome of the audit. If I may pick on one or two things that really disturbed us, uh, it's the issue of withholding information to governance structures. Um, you know, if somebody withholding, intentionally withhold information for you to perform your task, it's, it, 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 it's a crime. Therefore, it would require drastic measures to be taken. Uh, 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 to, 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 to deal with a particular issue. Over and above that, then you render the structure that has to perform that task um, ineffective. If we, may, we, we were to plan to say, you render them useless. Now, it, it, it's a serious concern to me, but it's a matter that I think the portfolio committee would have to to deliver it. But I just want uh, uh, these issues to be clarified maybe from the uh, AG's point of view. Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Honorable Members. Uh, Honorable Nonsel. 
Can you, can you honor Chairperson? Good morning. I hope I'm on the Sorry. Sorry, before that, uh, I would appreciate, I would request members to lower their hands, those that have uh, asked questions, please. You may continue. Thank you, thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Uh, I'm saying I hope I hope I'm audible because I've I've had serious uh, connection problems. Hence my uh, late late connection. Uh, I am also apologizing for that, and thanks for the uh, the admin support that they have that that they have been able to help me to resolve the problem. Let me greet the uh, entire team led by the Deputy Minister and also greet uh, colleagues, that is the Honourable Members, and also greet uh, the team uh, led by the Business Executive, that is from the Office of the Auditor General. Chair, I, I, in appreciation of the presentations made, uh, my question is just a question of clarity that arise from slide uh, 18 <clears throat> with regard to supply chain management. I might have missed if there was a clarity made, but I just need a clarity which the team can help clarify. Because there's a qualification there that says all supply chain management findings should be investigated. Uh, that relates to all the negative aspects that uh, have been highlighted, including the extension of contracts without proper approval and so on. The question, therefore, was is whether, for instance, the kind of if maybe the AG uh, team can just elaborate as to what form of investigation or are they asking the department or the entity to, to, to engage on? Uh, will it be an internal or should it be, in fact, an external? But I don't want to, to, to preempt. Uh, I just want to get clarity on that point. Otherwise, on the earlier points that have been raised by uh, colleagues, I think I'm, I'm comfortable. Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Honorable Nutzel. Uh, business executive, I've, I've, I've got, uh, I've just got some two clarities. Uh, that I would like to 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 speak on. One is uh, I'm of the understanding that you may have an interaction with the in, the internal audit, uh, the internal audit committee, and. In, 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 if, if you had that interaction with them, what was their response on these issues that that you have you have picked up in this in this entity? Which is my understanding that uh, the internal audit committee is from time to time alert the leadership of on 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 whatever red, black spots that they are picking up. That's, that's number one, which then makes me, in terms of the internal audit committee, is that uh, in line with what, I think it's Honorable Mdabe 
when he was talking about skills, what 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 is it that you may have picked up? I'm I'm raising this question because I'm I'm finding it as an outsider now. I'm finding it a bit difficult to really understand that when you had what is called an internal audit committee, you have an institution or an entity that will have some of these uh, grave areas that have been identified by you. That's that's number one. Number two, I will I will be interested uh, to 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 know. Please clarify to me, and feel free to to indicate that I may be ignorant on some on in particular on what I am going to ask. It's my understanding that any institution will have. Uh, people that are specializing on, on, on whatever area. Case in point here, if you can go to the slide that talks about IT, was in my understanding, IT system is the make and break of whatever institution. Two clarities around the issues of IT, if they're not going to be three. One, the, 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 the issues that you have picked up, is it issues that you have picked up on your own as people that are dealing with rents and cents? Or do you have IT specialists in the, in the, in the, in the ages, uh, in the institution who then in my understanding, will have the ability and the capacity to go deeper and then be able to, 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 to pick up some of the things that a person who's dealing with rents and cents may not as much as you are IT literate, but specialists have got that ability. So what you have picked up, is it what you have picked up on your own, or you have also you have also invited your IT specialists to come and, and have a look. I'm raising this because I may have missed it. My apologies. Even when I go to your report, the, 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 your 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 report in particular on IT is not is not reflecting that they have been, they are coming from a, they've migrated to a new system. And in terms of IT, these are the issues that are, are, are being picked up. That, that, that is why my question on, on IT specialists, I will, I, will, I, will, I, will, I will just make an example why I'm raising this is because in my other in in my other deployment, when it was said the information is unreliable and it's, what other areas are missing, and I asked, but what is it? What is it? Where did you 
made this, no, we made the audit in the children's ward and we couldn't find uh, the, the, the vaccination, whatever, the cards. And I said, but you'll never get those. Those are with parents. And as a result, those are always, it's like an ID of a child because wherever a, a, a mother moves around, go to the clinic, go to the doctor, he must, she must always have that or he must always have that as a parent. And I, I at that time, I then said, I, I think it will be advisable that at least you have people who, who have got a, who are specializing in some of, know some of these sectors very well as auditors. Maybe that is a discussion on another time. But for me, in particular, a, a, an entity that has migrated from an old system to develop another system, IT is involved, and therefore the IT specialist, I would think that they may have then have to have a role. If, if you can clarify me that, uh, 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 is, it, is, it, is it the outcome of that process or is it only the outcome of, 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 of yourselves? And if it is the outcome of yourselves, didn't you see it necessary to also involve uh, 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 the IT people? When you pick up some of these, uh, all these issues that you are raising, my understanding is that you should sit down with the department and, and engage in that engagement. Have you obviously, I, I would, uh, with, with, the, with the knowledge that I had uh, in, in other areas where I was deployed, that uh, there will be areas where you, co- you will have serious disagreement with the institution, they will put their case, and you will also put your case, and, and there will be areas where you, you agree, there will be areas of improvement, and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and in moving forward, you'll monitor that. I'm, I'm raising this uh, business executive because, like any other person, we are, like any other person, we are a bit, uh, 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 frustrated and uh, and 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 and, uh, and I don't want to say confused, but it's 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 something that we really don't uh, maybe it's it's something that we 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 are to express now the, our our feelings. So my questions. Uh, they 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 are bordering in, 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 into that that at the end these these are the, the the issues that I think now we may we may we, from my side I should uh, then ask uh, to get clarity on and then be able to understand us moving forward. So the number of questions that have been clear asked present the, the last the planning. Action asked by uh, Honorable Mugabe, your interaction with them. I'm not going to repeat that. We will then hand over to you, executive, uh, a business executive, to respond to the to the questions that we have asked. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Honorable Chair.
appreciating the comments and the inputs from honorable members. Let me pick from the first question around um, the Public Audit Act amendment, and in particular, the introduction of the material irregularity that would not have been there, that allows the Auditor General to, um, to take certain matters further. And I just want to highlight slide number 20 in particular. Um, if you look at slide number 20K, um, ordinarily we would not have had that particular slide if it wasn't for, for the material irregularity amendment that would have been um, um, sent over to the ATSA. Which would mean that ordinarily we would have said, look, um, compensation fund, there seems to be a, a financial loss, but we would not have had any right particular to issue a notification to the accounting officer. But in this sense, we had an opportunity to do so, particularly because the Act had given us the mandate and the ability to do that. So you would see that in the compensation fund, we are beginning to start to lay out material irregularities that we are identifying. And it's a, it's a, it's a totally new space that we would not have had in the past. But with that said, it is worthwhile to note that even how the Act is amended, it did not leave um, the entire mandate for the HSA. In fact, it did not allow the HSA to override an accounting officer or override oversight structures in any how. It actually emphasized the, the importance of, again, the, the, compi the combined um, assurance provision. And it would say that even when you do identify material irregularities, you have a responsibility not to override the PFMA. And therefore, you ought to say to the accounting authority or accounting officer that, please go investigate this matters because the PFMA asks you to do that. Only if accounting officer or the accounting authority refuses or rather investigate and investigate for the sake of it on a platonic level that we are then allowed to go step further and say, do we take it and investigate it or do we refer it to the investigating bodies? Therefore, from the act perspective, Chair, it was deliberate that the account, the AGSA does not override the investigating bodies and does not override the accounting authority because then it will nullify the provisions of the PFMA. So what I'm emphasizing there is that, yes, there are material irregularities that the AGSA is that to introduce um, in line with the amendment that, that, that is sitting in the Public Audit Act, but the responsibility for the accounting authorities, and again, the, the responsibilities for all other investigating bodies, including the oversight structures, still remain intact. And therefore, as the AGSA, we're still asking that for us to get maximum benefit from that particular amendment, then everybody in the chain really need to, um, to close the gap in terms of their, their responsibilities. And I just want to take that particular question with a question that came and said, um, we were asking that um, the accounting authority perform an investigation on irregular expenditure. And what did we envisage in mind? And what we are asking there is, is primarily what the PFMA um, is, is, is emphasizing, that if you identify one, the PFMA will say prevent irregular expenditure, meaning thou shall not have irregular expenditure. But in instances where things happened and for some particular reason, the control deficiency occurred and the irregular expenditure was incurred, the PFMA goes further to say investigate. And therefore, the recommendation of the AGSA is actually emphasizing that part, that now that you incurred irregular expenditure that you should not have incurred, please do uh, the investigation with the intention that should the accounting authority refuse the step 
asking the next auditors to say, now that you refused, then we need to be referring it to the investigating bodies herself as part of the mechanisms that the um, Public Audit um, um, Act um, made available to us. There was a question again that says um, the claims uh, around the the, the claims deficiencies, there seems to be an indication that the fund is not run properly. From the AGSA perspective, we are saying what we are seeing in the compensation fund is not ideal. And hence, we are emphasizing the importance of a review the internal control environment. It's just not ideal that it makes it difficult for any assurance provider that comes from outside the entity to provide an assurance that says you can rely on the figures and the activities that are being reported. And that would mean that if you go to the PFMA again, that says that from the accounting authority perspective and management, there's a responsibility for us to do risk assessment and prevent any control, then the competition still needs to pick up on that particular element and make sure that the strength in the control environment. So yes, there's a big um, room for improvement around um, the claims management in particular, not only claims investment, I mean, um, claims area, but all other aspects of, of, of business that we highlighted in our report that we were not able to express an opinion on. And I'm also combining it with the question that came, um, I think, from um, Honorable Mdabe, if I'm not mistaken, that, that talks to the fact that if you don't provide information, you are actually indirectly running the, um, any institution or oversight structure a bit useless. And as much as we may not necessarily is a bit useless, yes, you, you're not getting the full benefit of all other oversight structures, including um, the audit in, in, in itself, because the external audit was meant to also give indication that all the things that you are reporting, they've taken place in the manner that you are, you are, you are um, highlighting, and again, that the figures can be relied upon so that the decision-making is facilitated by um, reliable reporting. So with the compensation fund, the fact that the AGSA is saying, I can't express an opinion, because... The disclaimer of opinion is exactly that, that I, I can't give you an opinion because you would not have given me enough information to arrive at a conclusion, which then makes it a bit difficult for us as the AGSA to say, are your figures even correct or they are not correct? Because we know for a fact that uh, we would not have had the transparency that we require for us to then express our view in line with the international auditing standard. So there again, from the compensation fund, the, the, the biggest improvement that needs to happen would be the record keeping. And, and I'll tally it, Chair, with the question around where there are disagreements, where you engage management. Yes, we do engage management. And, and there may be disagreements where they, they feel otherwise. But the thing about it is that it is not only an engagement, everything that you're disagreeing on ought to be supported. So it's really not so much reliant um, mainly on you know, your verbal um, communication, meaning we are sitting in an engagement and you believe that the finding may not be correct. We say, okay, if it's not correct, then there has to be evidence that supported um, the particular um, um, figure or the particular reported um, target that would have been reflected in the annual performance report or the annual financial statement for that matter. And I think it's on that basis that we keep emphasizing as the HSA that the audit is it's evidence-based. And unless the evidence is in line with the accounting standards, you will struggle actually to, to disagree just on the basis of, um, of engagement and a meeting and, and anything along, along those lines.
Um, I think um, Honorable Mkondo just highlighted the comments. Um, we've noted that. Um, thank you for, the, for those observations. Honorable um, Diana, I think you, you had a question around the, the employer contribution. And I'm going to allow the team just to, to touch on it. But the biggest part I want to highlight is that the crux of the disclaimer is exactly that, that any figure that the compensation fund is putting forward, as the AGSA, we cannot be able to support it. And at the same time, it makes it difficult when you don't give me um, adequate evidence to then quantify in terms of how much this should be. But we also know that there would have been instances where there are other employers that may not have been um, considered. And to that extent, we would highlight a difficult deficiency. But I would like uh, Michelle and Bruce in particular to just give you more perspective to that so that you can get to the, full, the full context to it. There's a question around, um, was the AGSA part of the action plan? I'm gonna ask the um, Michelle, let me give Michelle an opportunity to, to just close it out around, around, that, um, around that area. You, you also had a question, Chair, in particular around the, our interaction with internal audit. And, and yes, we do interact with internal audit, but we don't only do that because audit is evidence-based. We also indulge a bit in terms of the reports that they would have been issued. And that's where we could pick up that there are instances where internal audit themselves would not have been given the information that they required, or it would have been given to them a bit late that um, they may not have been able to assist um, pronto. So from our observation in particular, we still believe that for compensation fund to really get the maximum benefit of internal audit function in particular, that also then supports the audit committee, there has to be the submission of reliable information that enable that particular function to also close um, their observations and their recommendations accordingly. As it stands, I don't think that can comfortably say that they've been given um, an opportunity opportunity for them to put through all the recommendations that ordinarily committees of their nature would ought to be uh, providing to, to, to the fund. So an area of improvement, again, um, the first part is to support internal audit and make sure that they're given everything that they need on time so that they're able to provide the recommendation and suggestion ahead of time for management to implement such that by the time audit from the AGSA comes, some of these things are already um, remedied and they're closed and the internal control deficiency already improved along those lines. And again, you would have noticed that we highlighted the audit committee that would not have been there for four months. And from the PFMA perspective, it's very clear. The entity is required to have um, a functional audit committee throughout the financial year. Now, th there was a question around whether we do the skills audit. We, we don't, but we don't as the AGSA and we, uh, around um, the skills in terms of, um, yes, you have the, the, let's say the qualification as an example, but you are not necessarily, your qualification is not necessarily showing up in the work that you are doing. That, that we leave it to the accounting authority. Obviously, if they require um, assistance, they'll contact your DBSA and your, your PSC along those lines. But what we will do as the AG is that if you do have uh, you people that are just employed, we'll go through the process of um, how you appointed them. And they, if it so happens that the advertisement that you had and the qualification of the person that uh, you brought through in the system, there's a disjuncture around those two will highlight. It. But in terms of determining whether the compensation fund is well-skilled, uh, that is, remains the responsibility of the accounting authority. 
um, for them to, to close it up. Chair, you had a question around um, do we use specialist or that particular um, slide on IT? Is it really just from the top of our head? So within my team in particular, I would have a couple of skills and that's, that's typical of the AGSA. So when we go do an audit, depending and depending on the nature of the entity itself, you would determine the types of auditors that must form part of that audit team. And for the compensation fund in particular, yes, we had the, the, the IT specialist. And I think in my introduction, I was trying to highlight um, two of, of my members that are on the call as well. And, and that's just to make sure that on an area that specializes IT, we get a person that specializes in that particular um, that particular aspect to unleash all the observations and most importantly make sure that the recommendations can assist the funding in moving forward. So the findings that you are seeing there or the observations that you are seeing there, they're not necessarily coming from my team of that financial auditors um, in a nutshell. They actually come from the um, IT specialists that form part of the AGSA. They are the employees of the AGSA, yes, in, in the main, and they would make sure that for all the ODTs, not just for the compensation fund, where we have a specialized IT environment, that they reverse the insights of, of, of what's coming out of me. So you would not necessarily be um, seeing the findings merely from the um, financial auditors only. And I think around the, the, the IT findings, maybe just to close it up as well, um, what you are seeing would have been the evaluation of the, the current system that they're working, they're working with. So we are no longer really relaying the, the issues around Umechuko um, per se. Um, I think we've, we've raised those ones in the past, but we're focusing on the systems that are aimed to then facilitate um, the compensation fund going forward. And I think this aspect is where you say, look, I think if, if we continue to do what we need to be doing and make sure that all the things that used to come from Umeshugo never show up and all the findings that are showing up now, they make sure that they are they're embedded properly in the control um, value chain, then the compensation fund as a first step should be able then to have a proper function um, to move forward. So, Chair, if I could just pause here, I'm going to allow my team an opportunity just for them to also emphasize um, on some of those questions as well. And then we'll, we'll step back a bit. Thank you so much. Michelle, you may go ahead. And thank you, P.E. Um, uh, from my side, I will touch on the, the CIP, um, the employees that are registered with the, with the fund uh, in terms of the benefits. Um, and here, um, as the Honorable Member Dana had already uh, also alluded to, is that we also uh, could see differences in terms of what was assessed um, how many are active and how many are registered um, and in and, and, and trying to see what should be there and what should not be there. Um, but it, what we can say is that there's definitely an indication that there's, uh, there are employers that are not uh, registered with the fund uh, that should be followed up on. So there definitely is that indication how much that is we cannot necessarily get to. And that is the crux of our our of, 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 of the qualification area to say the fund needs to have a process in place to say who's out there in the market, uh, are they registered, are they submitting return on, or, or, uh, return on earnings and are they being calculated and, and invoiced. Um, and, and that is a, a key area that we just need to, we need to, um, we need to, we, uh, the fund needs to work on. Um, in terms of the action plans, uh, as the B already indicated, uh, definitely the 
that we do give input in the, the action plans um, and we, we look at it from our own observations. But what is key is that the monitoring of that action plan and making sure that it is being implemented. And when you're monitoring, that's where, if you look at the compensation fund with its uh, various offices and the type of, 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 of information that they're looking at and the evidence that they're looking at, it is important that when you're monitoring this, you say, is what we have as an action addressing the root cause or is there a new root cause that is actually coming up or the real root cause is actually coming up once you start implementing? So that monitoring is, is, is very key. Um, and that monitoring to say what is happening on business or so on the ground in terms of benefits and, and processing of claims and what is actually filtering up to get into the financial statements and making sure the recording of the financial statement is according to the standard. And that uh, that gap also would need to be monitored and, and addressed. So um, we do give inputs. We, we, we spend time with the compensation fund um, and, and to look at whether the action plan is there. But that monitoring um, and implementation is, 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 is the key component in that area. Um, and, and, and also just looking at the control environment, because once you're monitoring, you can also see what is it that's lacking in the whole uh, control environment to be able to, uh, to close some of the gaps that are that are there. If it's a skills gap, you can also assess it from that end as well. Uh, so that is the, the, the key element for, for that. Um, um, I think Kabo, you've covered in terms of the, the, the uh, internal, audit, um, internal audit area that I needed to cover. Uh, so I think that is all from my side. Um, thank you. Um, thank you so much. Um, may I hand over back to you? Thank you. Thank you, uh, business executive, uh, for the for the presentation. Uh, I, I, if just one question, I think is the question that I asked in one of your presentations and uh, sometime uh, that uh, how do you do you do you audit the national office and and then. And then I think the response was that you you don't go to provinces, but you sample them. I understand the issue of of COVID. I I think it was it was before COVID. It I, I would I would uh, and uh, you'll 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 reflect to me if I am if, if I'm again maybe a bit off here. Was my understanding is that provinces are having a compensation fund unit or offices. And will it not be at some point, not now, you'll sleep over it to, to think that to, to, for you to, even if you pilot one or two provinces, uh, to go and, uh, and, and audit there, if I can say, uh, physical auditing. Don't you think that that uh, is a uh, will 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 really assist in 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 us and and really uh, trying to really unpack uh, the, 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 all these challenges because we may be looking at the national office fine because that's where the 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 the, the, the big guns are and where the the, the, the work is is being channeled to 
But that work that is being channeled to prof to to the head office is it the work that is then that information is it the information that is in order and then we then assist the 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 the, the, the head office. That's why I'm saying you, you may not respond to it now. You may sleep over it, but uh, yeah. I think I think uh, it, 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 it's some of the things that I, I would have an interest uh, on. And I think that was for for the compensation fund. The next one is uh, UAF. Mr. Sakaza, am I correct? Mr. Sakaza. No, Chair, um, to my understanding, they only were focusing on CF today, Chair. They sent a, a presentation only for CF today. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Honorable uh, 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 Business Executive. Uh, we, let's, let's appreciate because you are forever willing to, to come and, uh, and take us through. We may... We may call you back. Remember that uh, from time to time, a compensation fund keeps us keep us on our toes, together with the with the UIF. But for now, the focus is on compensation fund. And uh, if there is a need, we will call you back again. And uh, I know for a fact that I always uh, communicate with you at times at the at the at the very late hour, but what I do appreciate is that uh, when you are not going to come, you tell us, you tell the office uh, straight, and uh, when you are available, you really avail yourself, uh, and that assists us in in the in the oversight that we are conducting in terms of, of the department and its entities. Uh, thank you very much. If you want to if you want to remain and be part of the next uh, uh, presentation by the department, it's up to you. You are welcome. If you want to leave, you feel free to do that. Thank you very much. And your team, PE. Uh, 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 Thank you very much. DG, now it's over to you. Am I still, are people still in the house? We are, Chair. Yeah, yes, we are here, yes, Chair. Yes, Chair. Oh. Thank you. Chair, I'm assuming, I'm assuming that we're moving into the next presentation. Yes, we are. Okay, thank you very much. Chair, I'm going to ask uh, Mr. Sam Rotoba to run uh, through, uh, through the presentation. Mr. Rotoba? Good, good morning, um, Honorable Chairperson, um, Honorable Members, um, the Deputy Minister, my colleagues, I'm going to ask Matapelo to share the screen. Um, Honorable Chairperson, I'm going to cover a number of areas as discussed internally. If you can move to the next slide. Um, uh, I, I will touch on 
the current, the, some background just for the information of honorable members. Uh, briefly on some of the definitions that we grappled with uh, around labor, employment, and this is something that is not unique. It's something that all ministries of employment and labor within the ILO continue to grapple with. Hence, our names are also different. In other areas, we have employment and social affairs, employment and uh, uh, labor, manpower development, uh, and so on and so on. Uh, like we were before, uh, we were we used to be called Manekrach or manpower development. And over the years, uh, the names have changed. And if you go to neighboring countries, uh, ministries of labor and employment also have different names. So I'll touch on that one. Uh, the current mandate, the employment context, some of the interventions that we are having on employment from the different uh, uh, entities of the department and uh, deal with the question of the plans that you wanted us to talk on and, and some concluding remarks. If you can move on to the next slide. Now, just a bit of history, um, we, we used to have uh, a I mean, a branch called Employment and Skills Development Services. That was the biggest in the department and even in the olden days. Um, and, and after 1994, when the measure of the former TBVC states and the self-governing uh, territories occurred, all the manpower developments of the peri various uh, departments in the Transkaisiskais when they were amalgamated into the Department of Employment, it became the biggest section of the department with the biggest budget, because at the time uh, we had skills development um, or manpower development, as it was called. Now, changes occurred in 2010 when the branch was split, the skills development component was transferred to the higher education department and only employment uh, component remained. And as we had a We have lost him, did she? Did you, can you please? Uh... Uh, Services Act in 2014. Can you can move on to the next slide. Should I proceed, Honorable Chairperson? Yes, we, we, I don't know whether it was me. We lost you for some, for some seconds. I'm not quite sure whether it's your network. You may continue. Okay. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Uh, the president on the 29th of May announced that the, the, the announced the new ministers of uh, employment and labor, and during the state of the nation address, um, the president talked about a, a depart a new department that will further coordinate all government efforts to create jobs and reduce unemployment. 
And by extension, it meant that the department will be required to change its approach from policy development, compliance enforcement to facilitate programs, you know, etc. And in the, the department sorry, uh, this Monday. Sorry, Mr. Morotov. You know, when we were in, in Scopa, members of Scopa were a bit, uh, I don't want to say, they were a bit irritated, letting uh, off a better word, that you you keep on, that they were, you at times you lose the presentation. I would appreciate, DG, uh, if that can be can be attended to so that when we lose him, somebody quickly come in. Uh, that's why I'm saying I don't know whether it's on my side uh, because I, I keep on losing him. Can members indicate if, if they're also experiencing the same thing? The same problems to all of us. Yes, Chair. Yeah, yes, Chair. Can, can please, DG, uh, try and if, if, if it's the issue of uh, of network and, and and whatever, can you please look into, attend to that? He may he may continue. Um, Are you still with that, Mr. Is Marutop? it much better? Continue, Mr. Marutop. Is it much better? Yes, I hear you. Mr. Morotoba. Now, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Chairperson. You, you may continue. Okay. I think uh, Sam okay. seems to be explaining. Are you ready, Sam? Yes, I, I, I can hear you on, on, on my side. I don't know. Um, but okay. everyone, when, when should I proceed? Yeah, please okay. proceed. If I get cut off, you will take over. I'll please. take over, yes. Thank yes. you. Um, next slide. Um, if we can move on to the next slide. Can we move to the next slide, Metapel? or give me control of the What's happening now? Um, okay. 
You know I what? Some, I wanted the, can the digital. Okay. Chair, I'm taking over. Take over. Yes. So, from the previous slide, Chair, we were just indicating um, what 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 the president has indicated and what was the <clears throat> understanding of the of our mandate. We then simply decided that uh, it's important that we go and review our mandate as an institution, uh, given the 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 amplified employment mandate. So, in the in the in the exercise of a review, the mandate we agreed that uh, our mandate should now be striving for a labor market that is conducive to investment, economic growth, employment creation, and decent work. And if you look at the previous one, you'll see that uh, there's a slight change. If you go to the mission, also um, change it a little bit. Now, our mission is to promote promote employment and regulate the, the South African labor market. Um, to ensure sustainable economic growth through a, appropriate legislation and regulations, inspection and enforcement, protection of workers' rights, provision of employment services, promoting equity, and provision of social protection and social dialogue. Next slide. Matapela, next slide. In the next slide, what we are saying is that we are defining our role and uh, the role of the department and its entities. We have um, five. We have um, a number of branches of the department: labor market policy, public employment services, inspection and enforcement services, and we have the entities that is compensation fund, UIF, CCMA, Productivity SA. We have the supported employment enterprises. They all have a, a role to play. Um, in translating our vision um, into real programs or, uh, that are aimed at employment creation, employment preservation, employment promotion, employment security, employment access, and employment retention. So in the next slide, we're showing you the summary of the employment services that we offer in the department, uh, including our, our entities. We have a public employment services, um, which mandate is to uh, make sure that uh, they develop an employment services system um, that will enable us to register work seekers and also register opportunities and also provide uh, a full suite of vocational services, including employment counseling, matching and placement, uh, designated um, PWD work subsidies, that that's people with disability, and also deal with the labor migration uh, management and employment policy development. And that's the work that branch is currently assist with. We have the inspection enforcement services. Here, I'd like to amplify the, um, the occupational health and safety aspect of it. We want to make sure that we keep people in employment. Um, and, and by doing so, we're helping um, companies to ensure that um, they, the need for them to hire new people and retrain them 
um, <clears throat> as a result of having, you know, lost um, employees due to contraction um, of occupational disease or injuries, um, you know, we that, that that's the that's the contribution that uh, occupational health and safety makes in 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 employment. It's, it's in the preservation of employment and make sure that people are kept um, employed. Compensation fund in an event that uh, injury or, or work has contracted an occupational disease, that fund is there to make sure that uh, claims are being paid. But most importantly, recently we we added a new uh, twist to it: the work that the fund is doing. We added disability and uh, rehabilitation. Uh, you'll see in the presentation as we go along um, how that contributes to uh, to, to employment. Because we have unemployment insurance fund, um, the pretty much uh, with the amendment of the act, uh, they included a provision where um, the fund can um, support employment, uh, employment creation and employment preservation. Next slide. Matabelo, next slide. So the next slide, <clears throat> what you're seeing is the CCMA, the role that the CCMA is playing. The CCMA has been, besides the fact that they, um, they deal with uh, labor disputes, um, they've been involved in the employment side of, of things. But most importantly, the work that they do is critical in the sense that for employment, uh, for investment and economic growth to take place, you need a stable labor market. And um, and they, through the work that they do, they um, assist in making sure that that labor market, uh, the st stable labor market is, is there. And But most importantly, they help um, instances where there are retrenchments. Um, you'll see as we go down, um, the number of um, jobs, that they've saved um, through the, the, the mediation processes that, <clears throat> that, that they provide. But also they're part of the, uh, the temporary employer-employee relief scheme that is aimed at assisting employers who are experiencing financial um, difficulties and they assist in the adjudication of those claims so that the unemployment insurance fund can assist them. In that area, they work with the Productivity South Africa. We have a network, of course, they are responsible for social dialogue. Uh, they strive to promote the goals of economic growth, participate in economic decision-making and social equity. And I'm sure uh, honorable members must have heard the president announcing and uh, during the State of the Nation address, the discussions that are currently ensuing at NEDLEC with re respect to um, the review of the labor market policies in as far as they affect small business. So that's the work that NetLake is, is, um, is, is busy with. Next slide. The next slide is on the supported employment enterprises. Um, this again highlights the work that they do uh, in, in supporting um, disabled uh, people um, and making sure that uh, with the work that they do, um, they're able to, uh, you know, absorb um, a number of people, a number of disabled people in in the in their factories. 
The next one is the labor policy and industrial relations. This is a branch that is responsible for um, all our labor market policies. Of course, um, they table them at NetLeg, uh, and they are again seized with the the issue of um, um, making sure that we reduce the regulatory burden on the side of the small business. They will be undertaking that discussion at NetLeg as announced by the by the president. Next slide. This next slide is an indication of um, the, the, the interventions that we have and how we work with the different um, role players in as far as employment is concerned um, in terms of uh, interventions that government has. We work with the Jobs Fund. Um, we're now working with uh, also the GTEC in, the, in facilitating the pathway management. We actually appointed GTEC um, to enable us to, uh, to do this work. Um, and in turn, um, they, 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 they interact um, with, the, with other service providers. They've also appointed the innovation, um, the innovation fund to make sure that uh, um, we, we, they interact with the, the, the role players in terms of Harambe and other um, pathway management um, network players. Employment incentive tax, employment tax incentive. This has been around for quite some time. It also um, reduces the the labor cost for for employers, um, especially as they absorb young people. Um, so this this uh, instrument has been there for quite some time and is proving to be um, to be working. The Public Employment Investment Corporation, the job creation inter, in, uh, job creation interventions. They <clears throat> work with uh, both UIF and the Compensation Fund, that's where we invest um, uh, resources um, to what we call social responsibility investment. Um, and, and, and certainly with the discussion that we had with the AG, um, we've uh, decided to take, uh, we've decided that um, this is no longer uh, viable uh, given the state of some of the uh, companies that a PIC has invested in uh, on our behalf um, and the, the burden um, of having to account for um, the, you know, uh, the activities of these entities when we don't have full control and uh, the difficulties of getting um, audited financial statements and all the other problems that um, are associated with, uh, with this. We have taken a decision that both funds will cease to um, invest in those. But there are other um, areas where uh, PIC is investing and in ensuring that uh, jobs are created. We also work with the Industrial Development Corporation um, where we allocate funding to them um, specifically um, to make sure that uh, jobs are created. We, we work with small enterprise finance agencies um, and again, UIF invested to invest investment with the IDC, the Public Employment Services, <clears throat> which is the internal uh, work um, in the department. We have a labor activation program, as we'll see as we go along, what is it that they do? We also um, part of the Presidential Youth Employment Initiatives and the 
um, extended public works program, the youth employment services. We're part of the coordination of all these activities <clears throat> to make sure that uh, the money allocated to the departments uh, between ourselves and the and the PMO in the presidency, um, we we make sure that uh, there's proper coordination in terms of reporting um, to make sure that indeed those jobs uh, that were meant to be created are created. The next slide. Yeah, we're showing the examples of public employment programs. Um, we have the labor activation program, which was created as a result of the, which was its creation was enabled by the section 48.1 of the Unemployment Insurance Fund and also section 18 of the UIF Act and uh, also section 5D of the Employment Insurance Amendment Act, uh, which indicates that the fund must be used for financing of the retention of contributors in employment and the re-entry of contributors into the labor market and any other scheme scheme aimed at vulnerable um, workers. So those, that's the instrument that we are using. And um, in the next slide, you'll also see how LAB works. The objectives of this program uh, are to enhance employability through the training of the unemployed and the placement of those young employed in employment, um, enable in entrepreneurship through enterprise development, uh, we've got quite a number of projects that are running in this in this regard. Um, preserve jobs, uh, temporary employee employee relief scheme at CCMA for distressed companies and business reengineering process or turnaround solutions, which is um, um, done at uh, at Productivity South Africa. So here is just an indication of um, um, what we we've been doing. So. The total number of um, people that are part of the project now, as we speak, is 59. Um, uh, it, once we finalize the 6,660, we will have 59,000 people that will be engaged in the, in the, pro in the projects. Currently, um, we have a project that is running in, in KZN and the, uh, that I can make mention of. Quite a number of them are running, but I want to make mention of this one in KZN which will be launched by the minister on the 4th of uh, March, where 19,000 young people have, uh, were trained and, um, on the, and they started their own um, co-ops and they are currently trading. Um, and, and that's a very successful project. The second one is in the Eastern Cape, where you have uh, young people uh, engaged in a um, digital um, training already they're working with the small business to develop a website um, and also do data analy an analysis um, so the, the work is all is, their work is continuing and the intention is also for us to provide a market to them um, give them some work uh, in, in certain, certain areas so that they they continue the work that they do Next slide. Um, this is just an, also a reflection on the, the point I raised earlier on about the importance of the um, a labor market that is stable um, and, and the fact that uh, on an annual basis, we track the, the activities at the, in, the, in the labor market and when necessary, um, the next slide will just show you that when necessary, we, um, we, 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 we intervene 
Uh, here we should the next slide we're showing you the the impact um, of the industrial action over the last few years. Um, impact in terms of the the wages uh, that 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 uh, that that was lost and also the the hours worked um, due to stop that hours lost due to stoppages. So, so we're saying if we don't control this, and that's why the work of the CCMA is very, very important, and the amendments that were made to the Labor Relations Act are key um, in making sure that um, there's there's balloting, uh, so that people don't just wake up and go on, you know, on strike. Um, there's a mandate given to the leadership of the unions to uh, to indeed um, strike um, to go indeed go on strike. Um, and and the second point is that um, there are key important provisions that have been included in the in the act that allows the minister to intervene in instances where um, the strike threatens um, the, the 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 economy of the country, and the minister intervenes through the CCMA. So there are provisions that have been made um, <clears throat> to enable uh, that intervention. The next slide. So this is just exactly what I was saying. The next slide. Yeah, the point that we're making is that, um, um, in in essence, even though strike is a very useful instrument, um, if it's not handled properly, um, it results in 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 both sides, the employer and employee, losing. Um, where employers will lose productivity and workers would lose um, uh, wages. And interestingly, if you read some of the reports that we generate, you'll find that workers would then go on strike and say, they'll um, submit their demands and say, we need 5%. The employer says, we can't afford that. They will then go on strike and come back and settle at uh, either 5% and in some instances, less than that. And is there some instances where Employees will submit, the workers will submit their demands. The employer will say, we can't afford it. Workers go on strike. The employer says, okay, come back. Um, they settle at 7%, even though the initial demand was 5 So these are, um, in, uh, these are real situations that are taking place in the labor market that if they are not attended to. And that's why CCMA um, plays a very, very important role in terms of their um, strategy to um, prevent disputes uh, before they even occur um, at a workplace level. Next slide. What you see there is exactly what I've been saying. Um, that that uh, in the fear that we we will uh, you know the network is not is not uh, behaving well. Um, I just moved quickly. Um, what what we're seeing here is that. Uh, the second bullet says that the department through CCMA intervention has saved more than half of employees' jobs who are likely to be retrenched from COVID-19 pandemic in April and, and November of 2021. In addition, the department's UIF payment regarding COVID chairs, I think everybody knows about, <clears throat> about this. So these are the interventions that, um, that, that we just wanted to show you that uh, since the Extended mandate was given to us. Work has started to work has continued um, in, in as far as implementing this mandate. Next slide.
earlier on I spoke about uh, pathway management um, network. So this is a what we refer to as a network of uh, networks. Um, the the department has a an employment services system which um, enables the work seekers to register and employers to register opportunities. And there's matching that takes place there. But the private sector has um, established um, some networks that are also working. So if you're sitting in one's network, uh, you don't have sight of what is happening in, on, in, in another network. Um, for instance, if you're sitting, sitting in the network, in the public employment services network, you don't know what Lulaway, Harambe, and others are, have. So you'll find that you can find in one space. So what we have done with this pathway management network is to open up the access so that young people are able to, while sitting in the, in the employment services system, you can have a view of what is happening in the, in the other networks, um, like Harambe have mentioned, Lulaway, and, and others. And that's, that is open um, um, an opportunity for young people to quickly access um, you know, uh, opportunities that are available. So the department, uh, we received an allocation of 304 million in 2022 and 2023 and 372 million in 2022 for the pathway management network, which is at the center of the presidential youth employment intervention comprises of, comprises of an ecosystem manager and an innovation fund. I spoke about the uh, GTEC being an ecosystem manager and an innovation fund. The pathway management network will stimulate demand by creating more job opportunities, more effectively supporting increased access to relevant education and training interventions, assisting young people to make choices in terms of access to learning and or earning based on their current profile and identifying barriers that young people are facing on entry to the labor market, thereby informing systemic changes. Next slide. The targets for the ecosystem manager is to ensure the active involvement of about 360,000 young people in the pathway management network and 660 in year three with job opportunities targeted in year two of 90,000 and year three of 165,000. The innovation fund will both enable scale up of the different components of the pathway management network through the introduction of between 12 to 15 new partners over the medium term. Next slide. This slide is just show, it just shows you um, uh, where the current challenges are and, uh, and where we should be directing um, our intervention as, a, as, as, as government uh, working with the private sector. Next slide. Just, this is just a reflection of the, the CCMA National Job Saving Interventions. Um, it's disaggregated into the different months. Um, and again, it's just to illustrate that uh, this intervention does work. Next slide. It's the same as uh, this one. This is to show you, show you the role that NetLake has played um, as part of the economic reconstruction and recovery plan, uh, responsibility in terms of tracking the implementation of the commitments that um, 
each constituency constituency has made um in the in the in the economic recovery and re economic reconstruction and recovery plan next slide this um the committee will remember that we always provide this slide when we report to the committee um we indicate the number of work seekers that the employment services system registers and the employment counseling that our vocational counselors uh, perform opportunities and placement by um by by province this again as i indicated when we started that uh, we also assist the people with disabilities um the uh, organizations that are responsible for those for the for those institutions so we provide subsidy uh, to those uh, to those uh, to those institutions and you can see um what you see there is a it's a breakdown in terms of who we funded um and these these um institutions are able to keep the dis disabled people um engaged um and also train them to make sure that they increase the the possibility of them uh, you know uh, being key players in the uh, in the labor market Next slide. This is the um, the work that is done by the supported employment enterprises, and we're showing you the numbers of the uh, employment opportunities that were given to people with disabilities, um, and we're sitting at uh, one thousand and twenty-four. And in this financial year, we I think already absorbed more than ten. Um, people in the in in the, in the different numbers of the uh, factories. Of course, one of the challenges with these factories is to get uh, um, is to get work, uh, sustained uh, support from um, from, uh, from 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 government, um, all provinces, and if we're able to do so, um, these these factories are, will. Will, will play a very, very important role in making sure that uh, disabled people um, are absorbed um, in, in, in employment. Next slide. This is just the employment equity profile of these factories. Next slide. This is just a, the quota three employment performance where I said they, they've already employed 10 um, you know, uh, people with disability in their, um, in, their, in their factories. Next slide. This is what um, UIF labor activation projects, uh, uh, these are projects that I earlier spoke about. We have a total of 26 projects that were recommended for implementation. Um, these, are, these are just in the, in the pipeline and uh, they range from, uh, in terms of sectors, from agriculture, construction, hospitality, enterprise development, ICT, retail, security, water, and sanitation. Now, our approach as a department is that we'll only fund projects that will result in employment, that will guarantee employment or enterprise development. So if you come to us with a proposal that you want to train people, and at the end of the day, those people will stand in the street corners. We will not fund that project. Um, we also want 
those employers who um, are guaranteeing employment to sign a letter that says, indeed, I am so-and-so, and um, I guarantee that these young people will be placed in my establishment once they, uh, they complete training. And the enterprise development, um, as the, the example I used earlier on about Eastern Cape and, uh, and KZN, one of the projects that already resulted in the employment of over 14,000 uh, participants. So the compensation fund, it operates in the space of um, the... Can you... Can, can, next slide. The, the compensation fund operates in the space of uh, the orthotics and prosthetics. And um, so those are the, the numbers that they have in terms of uh, providing that, that, that service. And this also sustains the, um, the companies that are providing this, um, make sure that they keep these young people in, they keep people in employment. Next slide. The next slide just shows the, what I spoke about earlier on, the vocational um, rehabilitation, um, which the Compensation Fund does through the Disability and Rehabilitation um, a, a unit that they've, uh, they've just established. Um, I mean, if you look at the last bullet, uh, or let me just read it from the, from the top. The, they have a target of 216, and um, that, those are students, uh, continuing students, and they have achieved 318. And out of 411 continuing students, 316 fees have been paid to date. The year-to-date number of learners funded annually at post-school education and training institutions, these are new, uh, new students, and their target was 779, and they received 526 uh, uh, applications. The finalizing of the payment for 2021 is at advanced stage. Uh, it's anticipated that the payment will be wrapped up in February 2022. And the release of the student results and registration, student, the registration of students is not impacted. And then we have the, for the next one, continuing students uh, with people with disability funded for Vocational rehabilitation is 53, um, and they've, for that, they've achieved 100%. So that's the work that the, uh, that the Vocational Disability and Vocational Rehabilitation Unit does. Next slide. So this is what's in their performance um, plans. Um, just reflecting that uh, the work that they are supposed to be. The next slide. This is Productivity SA. Earlier on, I spoke about the role that they play in the in assisting to 10 company, companies around. So this is a reflection of the work that um, they've been doing and they've, uh, they've shared this information um with the portfolio with the portfolio committee and they in fact they do that every time they come to the portfolio committee to present their <clears throat> um quarterly reports um 
The next slide. So what we want to do as a way forward as we repositioning our department, one is to expand and leverage the existing employment dimensions of the department. This include improved coordination of uh, for existing uh, Dell entities to maximize impact on employment interventions. Here we're referring to PES, CMA, UIF, Compensation Fund and Productivity South Africa and ESEE, building on an building on and expand existing SEE factories to generate increased employment and increased subsidies to NGOs and people with disability to increase uptake. Um, earlier when I spoke about the importance of the supporting these this factories, because the more factories we open, the, the, the more we'll be able to absorb um, people with dis disabilities. Revitalizing expanding programs designed to preserve jobs, specifically the labor activation, uh, work-based challenge, distract sector funding, and temporary employment and relief scheme. Maintaining standards, mediate and resolve emerging disputes and enforce compliance in identified sectors. Regular labor markets uh, research and review to, to certain aspects of existing legislation. And introduce organizational adjustment and fill positions where the need arise. Next slide. We want to strengthen the role of NetLab to facilitate greater business, labor, community, key government departments participation at national strategic interventions such as job summit resolution, economic rapid recovery plans, employment, temporary relief, and long-term measures and social compact. Reassert the Dell and Presidential Program Management Office roles in coordinating youth employment programs across government and the provision of comprehensive services to young people and mobilizing and overseeing resources used towards the Presidential Youth Employment Initiative. Next slide. There are policy um, adjustments that we need to make as we, as we move along. And um, some of you, uh, honorable members, will be familiar with the uh, discussions that are taking place. And as far as the national employment policy and also national labor migration policy to improve migration management coordination, uh, data management and address citizens' concern, especially at low and medium skills levels, scarce and critical skills needed by the economy and citizens in diaspora. We want to introduce legislative amendments to strengthen the existing employment services act, review, can you go back? review existing legislation on impact to small business, new platform workers, and those in the informal sector. And also um, cover for those that during COVID we could not cover because they are outside of the uh, definitions of um, what, an, what a worker is. Uh, here we're talking about uh, the so-called independent um, contractors. This is the uh, what we've done in terms of uh, drafting the national employment policy, um, achievement of 22.2 million jobs in South African economy by 2030 in line with the NDP, and, uh, and at an employment rate of 24%, a labor force participation rate of 65%, and 35% levels of economic inactivity, and discouragement as a proportion of the workforce. This level of aggregate employment will require the creation of 7,257 jobs between the second quarter of 2021 and, and uh, sorry, 7,257,000 7, jobs between the second quarter of 2021 and 2030, alternatively a 35.4% rise in employment growth between 2020 and 2030, 
compared to a 16.2 rise in the working age population. The next slide. These are it's a proposed national employment policy vision. Um, the first one is to make sure that we have an inclusive employment growth trajectory with harmonious and coordinated implementation of all policy activities and plans across government with direct and indirect bearing on employment uh, creation. Promotion and encouragement of gender equality, structural transformation and the defeat of discrimination in the workplace. Workplace training, skills development and continuous learning that responds to shifts in key work processes. The third one being the improving and strengthening the South African labor market information systems framework, improving and widening the access that workers and work seekers have to basic flaws of social protection, smoothening the consumption and other shocks experienced by workers, firms and households in times of economic distress. And the fourth one is strengthening the social dialogue in the workplace and social dialogue institutions that bring together workers, employers, communities, and government. Next. These are the objectives of the National Employment um, Policy, um, which focuses on the critical actions in pursuit of the Vision 2022. Also, employment-centered macroeconomic policies, accessible support ecosystem, a demand-led pro-employment macroeconomic policy framework and a vibrant and labor demand responsive skills framework, extension of social protection mechanism and intergovernmental and stakeholder coordination framework. So those are the objectives of the national employment policy. The sub-theme of the national labor migration policy, one is to make sure that there's policy alignment um, in the in, in national labor migration policy um, here we're seeing the alignment with the National Employment Policies section on immigration, its labor market context and impact. And there's a broader context of rising unemployment and informal employment SA and of skills shortage and skills mismatch. South Africans to be prioritized in key sectors, but all workers should enjoy minimum protection, um, especially when it comes to wages and work conditions. Next slide. This, is, this indicates the rationale for the national labor migration policy. South Africa's labor migration policy should achieve a balance between South African population expectation regarding accessibility to work for South Africans, given worsening unemployment and the perception that undocumented foreigners are distorting labor market access. Secondly, South Africa's labor market needs, in particular the need for critical skills not only accessible, sorry, not not locally available, the protection of migrant workers and their families in accordance with international standards and guidelines, regional integration and cooperation uh, imperatives. The modern day approach is to harness the developmental potential of uh, migration. We cannot um, ignore that. Next slide. Agreements at SADC level to develop labor migration policies um, with countries, especially Eswatini, Lesotho, Namibia, Zambia, Zimbabwe, and Seychelles. These countries have, all, have already done so. The need for guidance to Department of Employment and Labor and Home Affairs and other government departments, the need to address insufficient and absent policy frameworks, e.g. concerning recruitment, data requirements, labor migration to, to and from South Africa. 
we, the need to inform appropriate legislative framework to accompany the policy, serving as a mandate for state intervention, and also the need to inform the consideration of the current bilateral labor agreements. Some of these bilateral agreements, um, they you know, come as far back as uh, um, uh, 1960s, 70s. Racially oriented policy framework informed responses to labor migration in the previous political dispensation. Migrants constitute about 4% of the population and 7% of the labor force. Especially since 2000, the influx largely of undocumented migrant workers has increased dramatically in an ever-expanding range of sectors. Migrants are in particular concentrated in the informal sector, which is a worrying trend. Several legal and policy responses have been developed, e.g. the Immigration Act, Refugees Act, White Paper International Migration, Special Dispensation, uh, regime, which is the regularizing of um, um, the applicants. Next slide. This is just a roadmap. Um, shows you where we we are in terms of the um, the national labor migration policy. Um, we have already submitted the bill uh, to cabinet, asking cabinet to um, allow us to to undertake consultation, and, and that's where we are um, now. Next slide. This, of course, once we've done all these things, um, this will necessitate, necessitate an adjustment to the organizational uh, structure and, um, and of the department and entities. So as we conclude a major policy, um, the department will introduce pilot projects, capacity building initiatives on new roles and functions, systems development and changes to the Dell organizational structure in line with the ILO and GTEC recommendations, internal and public sector collective bargaining agreements and regulations. The ILO conducted extensive reviews and undertook Department of Employment and Labor comparison with similar departments like Department of Employment and Labor in Europe, Asia, America, et cetera, and and are proposing a number of adjustments that we are currently considering. It is our view that this significant shift in government policies and programs will align the department more towards assisting the country to achieve its national development plan of 2030 vision. Thank you, Chair, and the honorable members. Uh, thank you, thank you, DG. Thank you for the presentation. Honorable members, uh, any questions? Michael Bagram. I see your hand, Honorable Tadu. Honorable uh, Bagram. Okay. Honorable Dana. In that order. Thanks, Chair. Um, I've got quite a few questions. Uh, firstly, though, a comment that that achievement of 22.2 million jobs in the South African economy by 2030 in terms of the National Development Plan seems increasingly like a pie-in-the-sky objective. And my first question relates to how the department is actually going to help achieve it. The, the president made it very clear in the State of the Nation address that the private sector and not the state is the major creator of jobs. 
But most of your presentation is quite inward looking in that it focuses on public employment services and what the department's entities are doing to try and stimulate employment through their own internal programs. Surely, given the scale of the unemployment crisis, you should be actively reaching out to the private sector to find out what the blockages are to job creation. And the question should be, what can government do to create an environment conducive to job creation? And then the department should go out and help create that environment. So critically, that would involve revisiting onerous labor regulations, especially those that disadvantage small business. What is NEDLAC actually doing in that regard? The idea of automatically exempting small businesses and new firms from the extension of collective bargaining agreements has been floated for a a long time, even within sections of the government. Why hasn't it happened yet? Uh, Secondly, on your last slide or the penultimate slide, you say that the ILO has conducted extensive reviews and undertaken comparisons with similar departments like the Department of Employment and Labor in the EU, Asia and America, and that they are proposing a number of adjustments, which you are considering currently. What are those um, suggested adjustments? Thirdly, you talked a lot about the National Labor Migration Policy. What are the timeframes for its adoption? Uh, but a broader question, is the suggestion that foreign national workers are contributing to our very high unemployment rate? And is it actually supportable with empirical evidence? It seems to me to, to buy into the idea that jobs are finite, but really we should be focusing on growing the employment pie, not carving it up into slices or or quotas. And then finally, on the subject of the PIC, has the UIF taken any legal steps to recover the 1.8 billion rand uh, lost in the PIC deal involving Bounty Brands and Bright Glacier Trading? And if so, can you update us on those steps? Thank you. Uh, thank you, Honourable Begum. Thank you, Madam Chair. I appreciate it. Uh, the reality is what we've just heard, and thank you for that presentation, what we've just heard is a historical look back of what the department's been doing over the past 10 years, if they've been doing it at all, but this is what they've been telling us they've been doing for the past 10 years. Nothing new. The only new part is at page 37 and onwards. Um, The rest is historical stuff and it's not going to take us anywhere. They've been doing it anyway before the name change. We've had the name change three years ago. And for the first time, we get a document like this after three years where effectively the department's done nothing except what they've always done. And even then, I have a doubt that they've done it properly. So, yes, just to repeat what the Honorable Cardo said, The president quite categorically said, and I think he's now repeating what all the economists have been telling us for 50 years, is that it's the private sector that creates jobs, in particular small business. And the reality is now what we were looking for is what are the proposals, not a a history lesson uh, that we've just had. Um, The reality is, yes, government does create some jobs. I mean, let's, let's face it, there are some jobs, and it's good because every job 
saves a family and the people that rely on that family. So I'm not knocking it. But the reality is if you do, a, and I haven't done the calculation, but I've obviously had a cursory look at it now, every job created by governments, it costs an enormous amount of money. It's almost a million rand a job. Um, whereas if the job was created by a deregulated small business community, it would cost government nothing, absolutely nothing. So to look at it, we need to ensure that department goes back to NEDLAC itself and says, you need to start thinking outside the box, not in this history lesson that we've just had. And what are they going to propose that we do? Now, Honorable Carter has made some suggestions about uh, the extension, cutting off the extension of the bargaining council agreements and maybe a deregulation. Uh, but we must look at it more carefully. We must think of the Labor Relations Act and see where we can deregulate small business from that Labor Relations Act. Maybe in the first take businesses or in previously disadvantaged areas, employing under 10 people, exempt them from the dismissal provisions completely, which means that they're not married to an employee, which means that the small business would take on an employee more readily without knowing that there's a yoke around their neck. We need to exempt them from all the regulations that are basically paper pushes and keeps the department very busy and keeps small business busy instead of creating jobs. And then obviously the department needs to have a look at tax incentives for uh, small business. Maybe a new business, first five years, employing under 10 people, give them some sort of tax exemption. Let's have a look at it. And let's have a look at businesses that need to be created in those previously disadvantaged areas where the people are. So there's no travel and there's a lot of people there that can support small businesses and let's get it going. For if we, all we need to do is to start a million new small businesses and you've probably got employment of 10 million people. I don't know where we're going to get these 22 million people. You're not going to get it from the, the situation that we've just heard about today. Uh, in terms of the uh, migration and the, those you, issues... You are gone, Honorable Begram. Are you cut or Sorry? you are done? No, no, I'm still here. Uh, what's happened? Can you hear you me now? Yeah, you can hear me. Thank you. Yeah. I just wanted to, I wanted to have a look at this, this issue with the foreign workers. They say it's about 7%. I don't know where they get that figure from because... Um, figures I've been reading is that only about 3% of our workforce is foreign workers. And of that 3%, those are probably people who have got work permits. How do you actually fire people who have work permits because you don't want to have foreigners where it doesn't make sense? And then finally, the president signed the AU agreement, uh, the African Union agreement, which is going to allow free trade and also allow free movement of people. Uh, maybe we should start looking not at the Department of Employment and Labor. Let's have a look at our um, foreign affairs and, and home affairs. And maybe someone should build a proper border post instead of just everyone walking through the border. I mean, you just have to pick up a camera and watch people walking through. Uh, that'll be a lot easier to control than people who are now actually got jobs already. And then finally as well, the inspectorate. We've got so few inspectors. We've got 2 million businesses. And we've got a handful of inspectors. 
Um, so even if you have all these fancy laws in place, uh, what are you going to do with them? It's like the seatbelt laws with no traffic ops. So thank you for listening to me. Honorable uh, Dana. Thank you, Chair. Um, some of my questions have been covered by the first two colleagues, but I, I just have one left. Um, one problem that we've seen within departments themselves between entities and between departments at large is that they tend to work in silos where the one doesn't really know what the other one does or they don't have anything to do with each other, quite often to the detriment of what is supposed to happen. Um, so I would like to know with regards, an example of this, let me just take a step back, is the employment tax incentive. I've never heard the department refer to the employment tax incentive even once, even while speaking about the expanded mandate as well. So I would like to know, are there any actions being taken at present to promote cost sharing mechanisms with government, such as the ETI, to private sector employers, because this is an excellent mechanism to get especially young people into the labor market, but it doesn't seem to be utilized by the Department of Labor. And again, specifically referring to their expanded mandate of employment creation. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Dana. Honorable Nonsele. Thank, thank you, Honorable Chair, and thanks for, to, to DG for the excellent presentation on the uh, expanded mandate uh, proposals uh, document. Uh, I think, Chair, I think, uh, firstly, maybe we, we would need to agree that uh, it would be inappropriate for us to misrepresent the president when speaking. Uh, when the president spoke uh, in his uh, opening address of the state of, of the nation address. He in fact did uh, talk to the role of the private sector in passing. But again, the president, when he, when, when he came back on the answering during the debate and the conclusion of the debates around the state of the nation address, elaborated more on what uh, the view is with regard to the role of the private sector and the centrality of the state in ensuring that uh, jobs are created and, 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 and the roles of the private sector and that of the state are clearly understood and, and properly located within the, the, the context of a developmental state, which basically is not what my uh, my colleagues earlier on have spoken about. I think that point is very important to to always uh, emphasize. The second point here, I think we would need to also to draw a line in, in the difference between uh, when we're talking about uh, the ex expanded mandate of the department, because it talks about the cre employment creation and the retention. It's not about the destruction of the existing jobs because the proposal, the counter proposals that are put forward on the platform too often or most of them are in fact an argument uh, in support of the destruction of the existing jobs, which is essentially not in fact a solution or in or support of what the intention is uh, as put forward by both the president during the state of the nation address 
and as well as the proposals that are put forward by the department through the presentation made by the by the DG. So in that context, I would I would suggest that uh, rather the 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 the, the, the the portfolio committee chair consider whether, for instance, is it not uh, be appropriate for itself now that the document has been put on the table, that we agree on a process of engaging with the department and maybe allow the DG to elaborate more on the timelines so that we are able as, as the portfolio committee now to say, what then uh, are the timelines that we would want to attach to the discussion and, 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 and ensuring that the process of public uh, participation process is in fact arriving at a point where in there is at least a proper framework taking into account all the views that uh, are in fact are supposed to be taken uh, when we go into the public uh, engagement process with regard to the document. So that the timelines that the department is putting forward are timelines that would in fact, at the end of the day, result and lead to the finalization of the police. I'm not in agreement again in conclusion to that, to say the the department is in fact uh, already doing uh, some of the aspects that are being proposed. Obviously the history would talk to that uh, with regard to the old uh, department. But then the question of employment creation has not been the central part of the department. So it is incorrect, therefore, to say that we we have already been doing that. That has been a partial partial role. But to a greater degree, the department has been more engaged in the regulation and intervention and ensuring that uh, there is compliance with the with the labor legislation, but the employment creation not a central uh, feature of the of the functions of the department. Hence, the 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 extension of the mandate, as as initially uh, 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 put forward by president in 2018. So I think that we would need therefore to engage in a much more intensive discussion and reach the document and ensure that the areas, including the proposals of the areas that need to be looked at and how they can be used to utilize to inform uh, our response to employment creation and retention. This includes the issue issue of finalizing the labor migration policy. Because if if we don't pay attention to the timelines as put forward already by the department, the risk is that we are going to to engage much more on much more time on shadow boxing on our understanding of the role or of the state and the role of the private sector in employment creation. When in fact we should be in fact engaging on the proposals in front of us so that we are able to respond to the massive challenge of unemployment that affects our communities, which is a serious problem that we must resolve in the immediate instance than the grandstanding that we are doing here in this platform. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Uh, thank you, thank you very much, Honorable Members. Uh, I think there is a there is a, a 
the proposal that is put forth by Honorable Nonsele that uh, as the committee we are to 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 further engage with the time frame on that, further engage with the, with the document. Uh, I think that will also assist that in engaging, we will have to also see the need of engaging the stakeholders that are within this, uh, this, this environment which are those that are in, in Medlec labor, business, uh, government, and, and community chambers. Can I, I, I then check if we are in agreement with that? It was the first. Okay, Honorable okay. Ndabe. Was this the first time that this is in front of us? Honorable uh, Ndabe, over to you. Uh, thank you, Chair. I'll formally uh, second the proposal by uh, Honorable Nonsele that the document be a working document and then we come back and further elaborate on it. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, is, is there anybody that has got a problem with that? Could I uh, expand a little bit on it, Madam Chair? Michael Bagram. Honorable Bagram. Thank you. I would also like to expand on it a little bit that we get regular reports from NEDLAC as to their, because that's the most important part of this presentation that we saw today. Um, and that NEDLAC is now going to be debating this and taking proposals and watching the way forward because they want to create those jobs for the 2030. Um, my, my strong suggestion is that we get report backs from NEDLAC on this on a regular basis so we don't get presented in a year's time because it looks like they only want to present it in a year's time. Um, where we are, what they're proposing, what changes they're proposing to in, enhance job creation. Thank you, Madam Chair. Okay. So we are, we are in agreement that we need to, to engage with, the, with this document. We must create a space for the committee to sit down, look, and I would, I would want to, which I will also make a proposal to the to the to the house chair that I think we will need to have a a physical meeting, our first meeting, the first meeting in looking into 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 this document and all the issues that are then being raised, which are to enrich it. I agree, it's something that we are to do. Uh, we need not TM, uh, 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 we need not be uh, dragging long. Let's, let's, let's take the, 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 the criticism, which is not a, uh, in being objective, uh, all of us have been have been grappling with this, and it is our responsibility that we then have to assert our 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 should I say our authority in saying no no. But now we can't then finish the term without having that we have received it. For me, it's important that we then say. How then do we 
put the spanner in the wheels so that we are then able to ensure that we really get uh, the, 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 the outcomes that we are all, because all of us, we want uh, the country to create jobs. How then is this, is this, is this portfolio committee uh, conducting an oversight over this department in ensuring that that conducive environment is being created? Obviously, it's not only going to be created by the department alone. There are other departments involved. There are stakeholders involved. And in this case, the key and the primary stakeholder for us is one of our entities with his, with his medley, uh, 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 where all stakeholders are represented there. Have, I, I think that was the, we, we are agreeing and, 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 and uh, we will, uh, as, the, as the office of the chair, uh, 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 we'll, we'll then have to, and, and the support staff, we then have to be looking into, into how then do we ensure that we, we do that. But I want to put it across to members that that means it's going to be hard work. Really, honorable members, which depending if, if then that is allowed, we then also have to make applications to sit outside our slot. Because this is this is the it's one of the major interests of the of the of the citizens of this country. And in that space, in and in that we we are the major role players that are to ensure that uh, as legislators we are uh, going to create a legis- legislation regulations and monitor if other departments are uh, uh, assisting in doing that, including taking uh, private sector head or head. head Head on, I agree with Honorable Nonsen. We have got this, this in fact, if I am to be open and honest, Honorable Member, this is a serious ideological battle. And we will have to engage all of us. Because at the end, it's not about who wins and who loses. It's about what then do we want our country uh, to, to be engaged on and now then to ensure that jobs are then being created in, in, the, in the country. So that is that. Uh, we will then have to, to, to come back. We'll sit and look uh, on, on, on that. Uh, when can we then uh, have another session where we are really going to discuss? Having said that, honorable members, uh, uh, Deputy Minister, because I think that was the last presentation for today. Is there any... Uh, the minister is here, Chair. I'm oh. sure the minister would, would, would want to say. Honorable uh, Minister. Honorable Minister. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. No, no, Chair. Thanks. Thanks very much. And I think you did receive my apology. Because I had items in the in the in the cabinet, but I thought that uh, the 
Honorable Nonsele has summed the debate, debate properly on this, on this particular matter. And uh, I'm happy that uh, Honorable Begram has uh, corrected Honorable Kadu uh, that uh, these issues are still going to be debated in Netland. Uh, the president gave this honor two weeks ago. Last week, we were debating this honor. And uh, we are going to be dealing with the budget, which all have implications on the issues of employment and the discussions at NetLeg. We are preparing very hard to go to NetLeg, distill the issues. And uh, I think um, the, the catchphrase is, the, when you deal with unemployment, you must deal with the, the issues of poverty and inequality. And we must not uh, run away from the fact that in South Africa, even before you talk about inequalities generally in society, there are even issues of inequalities of opportunities. There are people who have better opportunities than others because of the previous regime. We can't run away from that. There are inequalities um, which are in terms of earnings and which are racially skewed and, and gender skewed. We have to deal with those issues if we want to deal with the issues of, of, of poverty. So when you deal with unemployment, um, you will have to take all those issues into consideration. But I think that what the president emphasized was talking about reducing the regulatory and administrative cost of doing business, uh, referring to the small businesses, referring to the cooperatives and informal businesses without compromising the workers' rights. Without compromising the workers' rights, the basic conditions of workers' equity, health, and, uh, and safety issues at the workplace. You can't be talking about wholesale deregulation. The president has never said that. We are going there at NetLeg with identified issues from the side of business, from the side of labor, from the side of the community to say, what are these areas of constraints? And we must remember already in the very legislation we have, there are already exemptions which people can apply for. So to talk about the whole deregulation of business so that they can do and fire the workers as they wish, we, it, it, it cannot happen. That's what, what the president said. We can talk about the constraints and say, in which areas do we reduce those administrative, those administrative burdens? And uh, as Honorable Nontele has indicated, this issue of uh, adding this new mandate, it's, 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 it's work in progress. You have to put the proper structure, you have to re-examine your structures. That's why the DG went back to where we're coming from. Re-examine your structures and, um, and say, where are you going to do the adjustments? Are you going to come with totally new structures? Because there must be a total realignment. It's not going to be a day's work. And you have to, to do consultation. Consultation with the stakeholders, including the unions, including yourselves, as you are saying. And definitely, we will be able to come back here on the discussions at the level of, 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 of NetLeg and be able to come and report. Uh, as and when time allows, and they will depend on the committee when they are calling us. Uh, we have never resisted coming to the committee when we have been called to come and give report backs. Thank you, Chairperson.
Well, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Minister. I think you have touched on, uh, I think it's, a, it's really about time now that uh, we reflect on some of these issues that we have uh, been trying to be, should I say, diplomatic in addressing them. But now we are to really uh, look into that. And, 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 and for me, is that it is it it, it you, you can never move forward without uh, looking at your at your history and your past your past because your past history is giving you the more the more the the, the, the vision to move uh, to move to move forward was the danger of 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 not looking into our our past history it's it's literal to say forget about what happened now we're here we'll move forward we, that we can't and uh, we will we will call you honorable uh, and, and minister and the department to that is why i was saying to members they must know now we must accept and acknowledge that we are going to be at work hard at work for the benefit of of the country, so that at the end of our term, we are able to say this is what we have, we have, we have, uh, we have managed to put forward for our country. So it's 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 really going to be a a, a hard work for for both of us. So ours is not only going to be criti- criticizing criticizing. We must also come up with ideas. The idea is that they are also going to be criticized. We must acknowledge that, but we must then begin to say, what is it that we really want to 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 achieve? And thank you very much, Honorable Minister and Honorable Nonchele, in reminding us what then was then entailed in the in the in the in the State of the Nation address. Now this afternoon we will have to listen. In, Attentively to what the Minister of Finance is going to to put and and and, and be able to look and and say how then in what is then going to be presented, what touches into the in, into our space as employment and labour. Thank you very much, uh, um, members. Until we we meet again. Thank you very much, Madam Chair. Thank you. Bye, Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, Myanmar, and bye, everyone. Bye.